ever look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stain by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stain by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. We broadcast live every weeknight. That's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. We simulcast on Blog Talk BTR, and you can watch us live. Just tune your, tune your computers right to the our live YouTube feed. There you can see us in living color. Links to each audio video venue broadcasting venue can be found right here at our home base on the internet at hagmanandhagman.com spell it all out hagmanandhagman.com we've got two websites by the way hagmanandhagman.com and hagmanreport.com the latter of course is for uh, news information analysis of the news show prep important information uh, I'm Doug Hagman at the Helm fellow investigator researcher my son Joe Hagman together we are the Hagman and Hagman Report something I like to call America's premier father son investigator reporting team um it's uh it, it, it we really attempt to bring forth the news the information the pertinent stuff that's taking place today a lot of times people a lot of times the alternative media or the new media refuse to cover certain issues folks what we're looking at today is a a, a mosaic a tapestry a tapestry of news events you've got you've got economic meltdowns taking place you've got war games and i say war games that's perhaps not the correct terminology but you've got war maneuvers you've got the geopolitics of of um of war taking place all across the world you've got um domestic civil unrest you've got uh, associated with the economic collapse you've got the haves versus the have nots we are looking at an economic downturn in our future it has to be when we don't know but we need to prepare for it 
a lot of crisis matters of crisis taking place this is not to fear to cause fear or panic certainly not this is a, a level of awareness that you're not getting on the major mainstream illuminati or power broker luciferian controlled mass media this is all fact now tonight we have a very good very interesting, very wonderful show planned for you. The first two hours, we're going to be talking about an issue that involves the U.S. Department of Justice, U.S. Department of Education, Office of Civil Rights, Civil Rights Division, and the takeover of America. Now, this is extremely important because, and I mentioned the tapestry or the mosaic of events. Folks, this is one of the cornerstones of that tapestry. And that subject is changing the terminology, changing the the um, entirety of our culture, both religious and social. They're intertwined, and people need to understand that. Before we get to our guests to explain this, I want to mention that tonight's broadcast portion is nice broadcast brought to you by Whole Tones Live. Folks, visit Whole Tones Live. Now, perhaps more than ever, you need Whole Tones Live because the frequencies of their music, just the amazing frequencies, tapping into the music of the Bible, King King uh, 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 David, uh, the, 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 just the wonderful sounds to calm your heart, to increase your mental acuity, whatever it might be, can be found at wholetoneslive.com. This is not New Age, not at all. This is biblically based. We had Michael Terrell on our show not too long ago, and he explained all of that. More on that later. Getting back to the topic here, uh, again, we are undergoing a major cultural assault. The entirety of the West but specifically at the tip of the spears, it's the United States of America. We are being, we are being forced to change our belief system. We are being forced to change our language. We are being forced to change our speech. On the horizon and in the not too distant future will be criminal legislation or legislation laws that will be made to criminalize certain speech focus has been on criminalizing the ideological cult of Islam that's one aspect but even more importantly and and having the grease or having the skids grease into this into this change is in fact the uh, what's taking place with our sexual identity if you will don't forget, much of what we have talked about, whether it be the Genesis 6 giants, oh, what is that? Well, back going back in, into the Bible, of course, you saw the pre-flood days in the days of Noah. What was taking place? You had a lot of things going on at the same time, some of which was, of course, the perversion of sexuality. This is at the core we talk about the New World Order. The New World Order is nothing but the Old World Order times two, revamped. Some say New World or Old World Order 2.0, but I think it's Old World Order squared. Because what we're looking at is a perversion of not just our culture, but our 
our faith and our doctrine. Because many Christian pastors, many Christians themselves, are not seeing the importance of what has taken place over the last, well, 11 months <clears throat> since Obergefell, the, uh, the, the Supreme Court opinion. And I stress opinion because many people will say, well, now gay marriage, which, by the way, is incorrect terminology. This is going to be a, a, a very serious show rule instituted. We must not substitute the word gay for homosexual. We either, either you use homosexual or sodomite. It's the same. And if that's offensive, sorry, but that's language. That's true. That's the truth. Why is this important? Because the Tavistock Institute, going back in history, the Tavistock Institute, the uh, uh, various other secret societies, the Madison Avenue, Edward Bernays, all of everything that we've seen, they are molding our conscious ac- actions. They are attempting to mold us, to steer us in a direction which we must not be steered into. Please understand that what we're witnessing is not a civil rights issue. It is not a Title IX issue. And when I speak of this, I'm talking about the treatment of those people who are said to be gender identity questionable. In other words, if a, if a, if a boy, young boy, or middle-aged boy, a guy even, walks into a school and, or a store and says, you know, I, I identify myself as a female, then, of course, that person... By law now, and especially in the schools, according to a, a memorandum by the U.S. Department of Justice and the U.S. Department of Education, must be must not be discriminated against and must be allowed to use the facilities of his or her choice or whatever gender that person identifies with. In my hands, and Joe and I both have this, in, in our hands we have the May 13, 2016 memorandum issued by the U.S. Department of Justice and the U.S. Department of Education. It's a, uh, uh, I think it's a five-page, uh, it's a five-page document with an additional three pages of citations that is a directive to schools all across the country that they must strive to create and sustain inclusive, supportive, safe, and non-discriminatory communities for all students. Okay, we get that. It would be nice but see what's happening is this they're changing our language they're changing our culture they're changing and assaulting our religious beliefs and every person who identifies with the Christian faith or the Judeo-Christian faith or every Christian self-professing Christian out there needs to understand the importance of this particular issue in the end game some might say, well, wait, this is a diversion against what's really important. What's really important, Doug and Joe and, and Eric the Tech, it, it's it's not this. It's the election. It's Trump versus Hillary or Trump versus Sanders or the economy or, or the foreign wars or Iran or the threat from ISIS. That's what's really important because everything else is just a diversion. No, no. 
Those people speak from ignorance. Please understand, this is bigger than you can imagine. But it's bigger because it is part of the larger tapestry of the assault against the American people. I'm not reading from a script. I'm just, this is from my heart. But not just the American people. Everyone in the West. Every constitution or believer in the constitution. Every believer in the Christian Bible. Every believer in the Torah. And even, as out there as it sounds, every believer in the Quran, and perhaps especially, (laughs) this is how twisted this is. What has happened over the last, well, what has happened since a burger fell, but, but solidified via regulations on May 13th, Friday the 13th, 2016, is the uh, Justice Department teamed up with the uh, Department of Education to issue a memorandum to all schools across the country and all schools who receive federal aid that they must adhere to a certain set of guidelines under the guise of Title IX. Title IX is uh, the civil rights. Just so you know, folks, when Title IX is referenced here, Title IX is all about uh, well, it states that no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be not be denied the uh, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. In other words, the school system, all school systems all across America, are being held hostage by this regulation that dictates new terminology about gender. That dictates a not just a, a, a uh, an equal, shall we say, an equal rights uh, platform, but a special rights. What's at at issue here is not equal rights for those people who are homosexual, who are uh, transgendered. This is the creation of a special class at the expense of 98.5% of the population for cause, for a larger objective. Folks, make no mistake about this. The larger objective is the, is the takedown, the absolute takedown of Western culture, of the nuclear family, of God's definition of a family, and are the entirety of the West. This is an assault on Western civilization. As in as much as it's, as it's an assault on Christianity. This is an assault against every one of us who cares about our faith and who cares about our once great country. I'm going to close this and bring on our rear toss it to Joe here in just a second, but I just want people to understand the reason we are giving so much mic time to this. If you understood the years of, and decades of planning that has gone into this. We are witnessing the end game of this objective. We are witnessing right now history being made in the form of our language being changed, policies being dictated, and money being poured into, or in some cases perhaps diverted because of a perverse doctrine. And I'll go so far to say that this is a a perverse doctrine of demons. 
why do I say that? Because those Christians who know the Bible know how Scripture, know how, how God's Word has been perverted. This country, this once great country at Plymouth Rock was founded upon the Mayflower, Mayflower Compact and founded upon the Judeo-Christian ethic and the rights of Christian to practice their faith, our faith, without molestation. That's imperiled right now. In fact, I would say that that is, at this point, no longer, <laughs> we are no longer able to do that. Folks, in, in I don't know when, months, perhaps, year, I don't know, soon, you and I will not be able to speak the truth about heterosexuality, about the normalcy of marriage. We will not be able to protest against homosexuality in our schools. We will not be able to to be a buffer, a protector of our 13-year-old daughters or granddaughters in the school locker rooms or the restrooms. We will be called bigots, or not bigots, but we will be called homophobes. We will be called names like you can't believe by a very small minority, and I mean an extremely small minority of people who want to change this country, the West, and want to take down Christianity. And if you don't believe how serious this is right now, hang around, as they say. Stick around. Because it's a lot, it's about to get a lot worse. The terminology contained in this directive is abhorrent. They've changed, they've changed terminology to reflect, well, they've perverted our language and are forcing you to use certain words. Don't do that. You stand, as Christians, you stand in the gap and say no. I refuse to say gay in place of homosexual. I refuse to say gay in place of sodomy. I refuse to say transgendered because, frankly, that's <laughs> it's a lie. But you're not going to be told that. I refuse to say homosexual mar- gay marriage. Folks, we're not going to be able to have this freedom much longer to call this out for what it is. You think that this is not a big deal. This is a huge deal. Understand where it comes from. Research the, research the, the, and Joe and I appeared on the Pastor Paul Bakley show today. We talked about the, uh, the theosophy of Alice Bailey. And if you're not familiar with the theosophy of Alice Bailey, Please get familiar with that, because it's in play right here. If you're not familiar with the Tavistock Institute, please become familiar with the Tavistock Institute. The the molding of our language, the molding of our social... Well, we're being socially engineered, really, at the point of a gun. And let me say this. What we're seeing right now is the power of the state. The power of the state. And when I say power of the state, I'm talking about the power of the, the government state being part of it what comes next the violence of the state violence of the state always follows power of the state think about that 
of course, as you listen to our guests, Flip Benham, Pastor Flip Benham, and John Robertson from from uh, the left coast, and Pastor Flip Benham. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Yeah, we got a, a fantastic show lined up for you tonight. The first, uh, the rest of this hour and into next hour, John Robertson uh, will be with us, as well as Flip Benham from Operation org. They're going to be talking about some of these issues, and then we're going to have Standeo in hour number three. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, John. Welcome, John. Welcome, Flip. Back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. It's great to have you, and uh, really interested to hear what you guys have to say tonight. Well, Joe, thank you so much for uh, bringing uh, Brother Flip Benham and myself on to the Hagman and Hagman Report this evening on such short notice. And, Doug, you know, as I listen to you summarize the uh, the fulcrum point that our nation has found itself poised upon, you know, I was reminded of George Washington's quote about government, eloquence, and fire. And, Doug, whereas your words were quite eloquent this evening, I would submit to all the Hagman and Hagman listeners tonight that, in fact, Doug Hagman's words this evening were fire. And that's what we're dealing with tonight, because the gates of hell have been thrown open. The hellfire is lapping all over our lives. When I last spoke on the Hagman and Hagman Report about two and a half weeks ago, folks, we brought in that show about the church. Satan was at your door. His little cloven feet were prancing on your doormat, and he was at your door. Now, tonight, as you hear my voice, hear me, church, Satan is in your house. Okay? So you've got three choices. You've got three choices. You've got a crescent wrench, you've got the inerrant word of God, and you've got a 12-gauge shotgun. You can try to fix it, minister to it, or kill it. But you're dealing with nothing less than a demonic, satanic agenda that started in 1962 when they hoodwinked the American citizenry into taking prayer out of schools. They removed the, the beseeching of the Almighty God in the framing of our children's education in 1962. And you know what we did? We stood by and we waited. We, we said, well, we'll wait and see. Well, let me tell you what we waited and what we saw. Four. 1973, Roe v. Wade began, folks, the butchery of over 50 million of the most innocent children among us. That would be those that are unborn, that rely on the nutrition and the love of their mothers to even get them into this world. 1973. Take a look at last summer. Last year, June 2015, we were yet again waiting and seeing, going to our prayer closets, praying prayers of convenience while Satan was in full attack mode. And the Supreme Court handed down its opinion that whereas the most sacred and sanctified institution in the history of humanity, that of marriage, which creates the nuclear family, which is the single foundational building block of civilization itself, needed to be fixed. Of course, it wasn't broken, but it needed to be fixed. And so they handed down their opinion and essentially, across all 50 states, destroyed that which they have no right to destroy, that which is ordained by God, which is marriage, the impetus, the start point for the nuclear family. Just to touch quickly on what Doug's already talked about, uh, four days ago, Friday the 13th, 2016, our president, quote-unquote, King Hussein handed down a mandate from the White House through his uh, U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Uh, and that mandate, folks, is really two things, okay? 
Number one, it is a federal blackmail scam. Number two, and more importantly, it is a satanic attack on your kids, on your grandkids, your neighbor's kids. It's a direct satanic attack on any kids in any school that receives federal funding. I'm not even going to go any further tonight without just lifting this show up in prayer. With your permission, Doug and Joe, I'd like to say a quick prayer. Sure. Thank you so much. Folks, you may hear my voice this evening and, and Brother Flip Benham's and Doug's and Joe's, but let me assure you that you are hearing the voices of so many of the brothers who congregate around this show because let me tell you something, Hagman listeners, the men of the Hagman and Hagman Report are not happy, and we're not going to let this stand. And I've got news for President Obama and for Loretta Lynch. They're getting in our face. Well, I'm getting in their faces back, but I'm going to do so like the ancient Israelites with the power of Almighty God behind me. Lord God, we just come before you humbly, Lord. We pray that you humble our hearts this evening and open us up to that that sweet spot, Father God, that only your love and your and your uh, strength and power can bring within us, Lord, that sweet spot where we find love for our brothers, but within that love, truth that must be stated to our brothers. And at the same time, Father God, with our right hand, may we pick up your holy word, but in our left, Lord, hand me a sword. It's time to fight, Father God, and I just pray that you would keep violence from our hearts, but that you would fortify us for battle as we do this thing tonight, Lord God, that must be done. And Father, as always, I thank you for this opportunity and for this platform, and I thank you for Doug and Joe and Greg and, and Pastor Langford and Pastor Flip and Chance and Sergeant Tim for all of the men who have backed me up these last three days. Thank you, Lord, and I just give this show completely back to you, Father. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus, by whose stripes we're healed and by whose blood we are redeemed. Amen. Folks, bottom line is this. Last week, it was unsafe for your kids to pee in Target. Okay? This week, it's unsafe for your kids to go to public school. Now, most of you know what I'm talking about, but the bottom line is this, and we're going to tear this apart, all right? We're going to rip it from its very seams here tonight. But your 13-year-old daughter can literally go to volleyball practice. You can go to eighth-grade volleyball practice and wind up changing next to, like, a 13- or 14-year-old boy in the locker room. She can risk being exposed to... You know, it just your your standard puberty-driven male, uh, uh, even a quote-unquote teammate uh, in the locker room or even in the showers at school. I really need you folks to just take an objective moment to hear what I'm saying to you, what Doug is saying to you, what Greg Jackson was talking about last night, what Rick Wiles threw down on his show Friday on True News. Your sons and daughters are at risk at public schools, schools that you pay for, of nothing short of potential molestation or even rape just by simply wanting to use the restroom or participate in sports. And I want to make something clear here tonight. This is not about anything to do with transgender. Okay, transgender, as Doug already pointed out, is, is Orwellian, refers to George Orwell, who wrote 1984, actually back in 1948, Transgender is Orwellian newspeak, okay? That's all it is. Your gender was appointed by God, and it cannot be transitioned, cannot be transmuted, it cannot be transferred. I heard Greg last night, and I, and I'm, I quote Greg Jackson, quote, you're either a chick or a dude, unquote. Anyway, last Friday, as I said, I heard Rick Wilde's intro on True News, and I got, I got mad, you know, I got really hot. And so I called all of my guys. I called 
Greg Jackson, Chance, Sergeant Tim, talked to Joe, I talked to my dad even, and I said, you know what, guys, we need to circle the wagons and we need to start hitting back, and we need to do it now. So I recommend everybody hearing my voice, everybody about to be blessed by Brother Flip Benham, folks, get your Ephesians 6 armor on, because we're fired up. And as I said a moment ago, the men that congregate around the Hagman and Hagman Report are not happy. And I am incredibly uh, grateful and blessed that I get to be the person, as Doug said a moment ago, to share some mic time with all of you tonight. But I want to make very clear that my effort tonight is, is in, in a sense, speaking for so many more of the men whose, whose chest rests on my shoulder blade right now at this very moment. Look, Satan is a master manipulator, okay? He's, he, he, he uses irrational emotionalism and he creates it's his, he uses emotionalism as like the greatest uh, generator of confusion. I want to quote this from, uh, from CNN.com. Bear with me, folks. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of meat and potatoes, and I'm going to hand it to Brother Flip. This is from CNN.com four days ago. Uh, I'm quoting U.S. Attorney General Loretta Lynch. I'd like to remind the listeners that she is the highest law enforcement officer in the country. She's the top cop. She runs the Department of Justice. It says, quote, Loretta Lynch. It was not so very long ago that states, including North Carolina, had other signs above restrooms, water fountains, and on public accommodations, keeping people out based on a distinction without a difference. Well, we've moved beyond those dark days, end quote. And we've moved into much, much darker days, folks. So let's break this down a little bit. Distinction without a difference? <laughs> I think, what does that even mean except that whoever wrote it can, you know, can string a couple words that start with D together? I mean, anyway, here, here's my direct statement to Attorney General Loretta Lynch. With all due respect, Loretta Lynch, with all due respect to the office that you hold, and with all due respect to the office that your predecessor held from 1961 to 1963, and I'm talking about Robert F. Kennedy, who, along with his brother, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a champion of legitimate civil rights. You, you, you hear what she did, folks? She took the civil rights movement that defended a person's ethnicity given to them by God and compared this transgender issue to it. If I were a, a person of color, I would be grossly, deeply offended by that. Loretta Lynch, I'm telling you, Dr. King fought to defend the rights of all men and women and their genetic makeup. Again, with all due respect to the office that you hold, you, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, are a distinction without a difference. Flip, I'm going to hand it to you. Well, thanks, John and and Doug and Joe. This is a this is a great time to be alive for Christians. I mean, we are seeing things uh, in in a way that maybe a lot of us have been preaching about before prophetically, but now we're we're seeing the, that these chickens are coming home to roost, and uh, and and this enemy uh, that we fight. Well, it's really a battle between two worldviews. And there's only two. And I'd like to take you all the way back to the beginning so that you can see this thing from a biblical perspective, through a biblical grid, and that your heart will not be filled with fear. It will not be filled with hopelessness, but it will be filled with joy in knowing that we are God's answer 
to this problem that we're facing right now. And it isn't about transgender, which is which is nonsense. There isn't anything between a man or a woman, and God created them both in Genesis chapter 2. One was man, one was woman. There's nothing in between. One is XX and one is XY. The male is XY and the woman is XX. Nothing changes that. You're born with that. That's who you are. And you can't try to change it no matter what you feel like. And you see, it's God's truth that is being challenged. And now the enemy has gotten to a place in power in our nation where it now takes government that was meant to be used for our good to punish those who do evil and to reward those who do good. You find that in Romans chapter 13. And now we have a government that is punishing those that will do good, according to the Bible, and and it is uh, rewarding those who do evil. In, in the Bible, it tells us the wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. And that's so true, and we are seeing that now. And, and some of us uh, get really discombobulated at this battle, but it has been going on for all of the millennia that we have been here on this earth. That's right. When that devil was thrown out of heaven and conquered by the archangel Michael, and the demons were cast out of heaven, one-third of them that joined the devil in rebellion, and they were cast to this earth, they were here. And God created man to take care of this issue to take care of this battle, that that our enemies would be made a footstool under his feet, and our enemy is his enemy, and his enemy was on this earth, darkness was in the earth, when man, when, when the whole creation event began, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now listen, I'm going to give you just this little history, and it's, it's, going, to be very, it's going to be very simple for you. It's important for us to get a bird's eye view before we get a worm's eye view, and get involved in all of these different manifestations of the battle that are now just percolating all over the face of this earth and just taking over our culture. We've got to find out what is the real problem because what you perceive the battle to be will determine how you fight it. And if you see it in the way that the Bible sees it, then you know that you will be in with the great church of Jesus Christ, with the nation Israel, in the battle that has been fought, a spiritual battle that manifests itself physically on this earth, but it is a battle being fought for the entire cosmos, and we are privileged to be the soldiers in that battle. And so we see in Genesis chapter 3 that the devil, the first thing he does is call God's word into question. You talk about George Orwell that wrote that book in, in 1948, called 1984, <laughs> and uh, he talks about Newspeak. This devil is the author, this rebel is the author of Newspeak. And when Adam and Eve were now on the earth, uh, Adam created out of the dust, Eve out of the rib of man, and there they were, the apple of God's eye, to take authority and have dominion over the entire earth. But there was one here that wanted that more. And there was one here that hated Adam and Eve. And he was there in the garden watching. 
he was watching, and when he found an opportunity as Adam was sitting back, he went to Eve. Eve, it tells us in the Bible in the New Testament, was deceived, but Adam sinned. It was Adam who the devil was really after, but he was going to get to him through Eve. And Eve was the one, it tells us in First Timothy, that was the one who was deceived. And so we see this battle going on. He said, look, at, didn't, did God really say, the first thing he did was just call God's word into question. Did God really say? You know, some questions, when they're asked with evil intent, are questions that never should be answered, only refuted. And and so this was with evil intent to bring the downfall of man and woman. And and Adam was sitting back, and it was, yes, we can eat of the tree of any uh, tree, uh, eat of this tree and the fruit of any tree in the garden, except the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And that is was, of course, called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, what's, what's bad about knowing about good and evil? Well, the word for knowledge in the Greek, uh, which is after the Hebrew, translated in 270 B.C., um, the word for knowledge is gnosis. It doesn't mean just knowing about something. It means actually participating in the word to know, like Joseph knew not Mary until the child was born. That, that word word know there um, means far more, it's an intimate relationship that a man has with a woman, and 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 Joseph knew not Mary, it didn't mean he didn't know about her or know her, it meant that he did not participate in any kind of conjugal relationship with Mary until that son was born. Now, that word know means to actually participate in that, when she took a bite of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she she instantly had her eyes open because now she was actually participating in determining what was good and what was evil. God had already told them not to eat it. It would be evil to eat that. And yet they took it. Now, Adam was the one responsible for that. Adam was the one responsible for the garden because Adam was the one that God told that this is what this garden is for and you're to till it and you are to take dominion and you are to pass this on to Eve, your wife. Well, Adam just sat back and watched her and she ate and then she gave some to him and he saw that she didn't drop dead right there so he took a bite of it too. And what they did was they were instantly separated from God. Now they were still living but they were dead to God. They were separated from him because sin had entered into the world and sin separates us from God. What was so bad about that tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It means that you determine what is good and you determine what is evil. And so when God came to the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Well, it wasn't because he didn't know where Adam was. It was simply because Adam didn't know that he was lost. And he was there, and he covered up, and he was afraid, and so was Eve. And and he called him, where are you? And he answered, well, I heard in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And God said, well, how did you know that you were naked? Now he is coming down, and he's getting to the sin point with him. Adam, you're lost. You've been separated from me. You did eat of that tree, the very tree that I told you not to, which says that you didn't trust me, and you trusted that lying serpent, the devil. And so the curses of God begin to come down, and God, in Genesis 3.15, and this is something you just have to hold on to, Genesis 3.15, God says this about the curse that he is placing upon the serpent, and 
he said this. He said in verse 15 of chapter 3 in Genesis, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. There's going to be a battle between these two. It's the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. I will put enmity, hatred, between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Listen to this. It's to all of the offspring from then on, the, um, his and hers, there is going to be a battle between these two seeds. And he's going to allow both seeds to be growing simultaneously on this earth. And they are vying for control of the planet. Which seed are you? Which seed are you? Here is what he says. He will crush your head, and you, the devil, will strike his heel. The devil did strike Jesus' heel when he nailed him to a cross. The devil did that. He struck his heel. But Jesus crushed his head when he rose from the dead. It was over. It was finished. Jesus had now retaken the authority that Adam had lost, the first Adam had lost in the garden. And now he had taken it back and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. Now go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I command you, and lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. This is so important. Now the authority, the thing that the devil had against us, the curse that was upon every single one of us, was now removed, and Jesus, God himself, who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, had set us free, and he gave us the authority back. The the authority that was lost in the garden was now given to all of us who believe on that name and we are the ones that are called to stand and storm the gates of hell and the gates of hell will not prevail against us but I want you to look at 315 this battle between two worldviews and really there are only two worldviews there's a hundred billion isms in between fascism communism socialism liberalism all of the isms in between but there are only really two and the seed of the serpent says something and sounds something just exactly like this. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. It's my rights, my body, my choice, my thing. I do what I want whenever I want. I'm the captain of my ship. I'm the master of my fate. And my one commandment is don't judge me. You see, that's the devil. That is the seed of the serpent. And when you see all of these people participating in these certain kinds of things, like homosexual sodomy that enslaves young men and women into sexual drives that they cannot resist because God thwarts the cravings of the wicked, yet he turns them over to those cravings, and there's no way out. They can't get away from it. Men that could hook down to porn and, and all sorts of other things, abortion, my rights, my body, my choice, it's all about me. I'm the master. I am the center. I'm surrounded north, south, east, and west by me. And we have this huge, ugly, awful thing that is centered upon me being my own God. I will determine what is good for me and what is evil for me. And woe be to you if you judge me. And don't tell me about any Bible. Don't you be hitting me with that book. I don't need it. I am God. Hear me roar. And you see the little I am shouting out there, shaking its tiny fist in the face of a loving father who created us for so much more than this. And yet we are rebelling against him. And then there's the other seed. 
that seed of the woman. This is where the battle is raging between these two seeds, these two worldviews. And, and, and the seed of the woman says this. Listen to what Jesus said. Not my, not my will, but thine be done. When he asked God to take this cup from me, if there is any other way, Lord, just take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You see, what a true man does is he lays his life down. Jesus said it this way in John. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You know, it's not all about me. It's not my rights, my body, my choice, my thing. It's not all of that. It's not. It's not, as a matter of fact, real life is found in the giving of my own away and allowing another to be the Lord over me, the one who created me, the one who designed me for a specific purpose, that one. And when his will is being done in me, I realize that I'm bought with a price that I'm not my own. And therefore, I glorify God in my body that the gifts that I have been given have been given to me to give away to others. And John Robertson, this is exactly what you're doing and what the Hagmans are doing is their gifts are being given away. Your gifts are being given away to others that God might, through you and me, reconcile the world to himself because God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, love always gives. It doesn't demand my rights, my body, my choice, my thing. When they taunted Jesus on the cross and they said, why, if you're the savior of the world, come on down off of that cross. If he had saved himself, a wretch like me couldn't have been saved. And because he loved me and because he loved you, he remained on that cross and and, and they're just hung on that cross and, and, and died on that cross and everything looked like it was hopeless. The disciples dispersed, they left. It was, oh, we had hoped that he was the one, but look at what has happened. He's not at all the one that we thought. And he allowed his disciples to go through that disillusionment. Why? Jesus, why didn't you, why didn't you just come a different way? Why didn't you choose a different way? He had to do it this way to meet justice completely. And God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And that we might be those instruments through which he would fight the battles of the day on this earth. Yes, spiritual battles first, but they manifest themselves right here on this earth. And and John... You named some Supreme Court cases. I want to just, uh, just you know, and I, I love the way you started with Engel versus Vital as God is removed from school, and um, um, Abington versus Shemp, which came right after that in 1963, where the Bible was removed from school, and then, uh, and then in. Um, uh, yeah, 1973, what happens when you throw God out? What happens when he gets removed? Then all sorts of evil things begin to come in, and you begin to have sex with anybody you want. We talked about free love all through the 60s and the early 70s, and, and the problem with free love and doing whatever you want is that there are kids, and, and they're born. You know, as you have sex, they're going to, you're going to have children. So we solved that problem, didn't we? We had Roe versus Wade on January 22nd, 1973. And we began to kill children in the womb. And we decriminalized abortion. You can never make abortion legal. Abortion is always evil and wicked. The only thing you could do, and what the Supreme Court did in its 7-2 to uh, opinion, was the fact that now it was going to be 
decriminalized. You see, the Supreme Court had declared itself God, that it knew better than God, that God said in the Sixth Commandment, thou shalt not murder. And the Supreme Court said in its seven to two decision, oh, yes, we shout, and you shut up. And then in 1980, we removed the Ten Commandments from the walls of our high school. In other words, everything to eradicate every trace of God, we were throwing him out of the schools in a foolish opinion. And then a very interesting opinion that not many know about was an opinion in 1984 called Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And this, this, this Supreme Court decision was incredible in what it said. As a matter of fact, it's amazing to me. I have a hard time even getting my my head to wrap around the the, the cognitive thinking because it's just like they were um, the Supreme Court in their decision. It was just like they were at the tree where Adam and Eve were, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they decided to take of that fruit. Again, and it's amazing. And I want to give you this. It was a Kennedy O'Connor uh, suitor um, uh, joint opinion, and it said this. Now, listen to this. This is 1984, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And it says, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning of the universe and the mystery of human life. Now listen to that. Does that not sound to you like, well, I self-identify today as this and this. Look at the Supreme Court of the United States of America paved the way for this in this Supreme Court decision called Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1984. With this statement that's in that joint Opinion of Kennedy, O'Connor, and certain and and Souter, with this statement, the United States Supreme Court of America discounted its historical reliance on the transcendent standard of Almighty God. It said, "We are God. We have a right to define our own concept of existence and of the meaning of life. I am my own God." So, in on April twentieth, nineteen ninety nine, and I remember this well, and I'm sure you do too, when Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold decided to go into their school and kill. 13 people, and they did, including themselves, Planned Parenthood versus Casey was the one they exhibited the behavior of Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Eric Harris uh, posted on the internet this statement. He said, my belief is that if I say something, it goes. I am the law, and if you don't like it, you die. Feel no remorse, no sense of shame. That was April 20th, 1999. There it was, right there. You become your own God. What we are facing today is the magnification of this battle between two seats, and I'm really glad that it's here. I'm glad that Obama did what he did, and I'm telling you why. Because the church hasn't been taking a stand, and the pastors have not been taking a stand. As a matter of fact, the prophets are prophesying lies. 
they are bandaging the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Like, oh, this is a transgender thing. This is a homosexual thing that we can take it. No, no, no. It's so much bigger than that. This is the battle that began in heaven, moved to this earth, and we are fighting it, and now we are in the throes of losing everything, or we are going to wake up, and we are going to cry out to Almighty God, Lord, in Jesus' name, make us the church that you've called us to be. Help us to be the men and women of faith who will, with courage, get our chin set like a flint, and that we will carry this cross, we will deny ourselves, pick up this cross, and we will fight for the lives of our wives, our children, and our grandchildren, and future generations, because our lives don't belong to us, our lives belong to you. And God, if we die storming the gates of hell, help us to go down standing up in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we, our dead carcasses are lying on that barbed wire to those gates of hell, Father God, help our children to run right over our back and continue storming the gates of hell because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. We're living in an age when the devil is trying to redefine what is true. We are living in an age when it's really dark and our light needs to shine and all we need to do is get the bushel off of us and let it shine and we will be amazed at what God will do. But until then, it's going to get darker. But right now, we have an opportunity. And this is where we are, and I just wanted you to see that this battle has been going on for a long time, and we are privileged to run our lap of the race right now. Amen, Pastor Flip. And you said a whole lot there, uh, very important things that you covered, very important. Um, I, I think what you said about you know being thankful that the Obama took the action he did, making it a point for the uh, making the churches have to se- either separate from the world or conform to it um, is, is what you're saying by Obama's Amen. decision here. And you know, uh, the more that this issue gets brought out into the mainstream, uh, the more people are marginalized for the uh, their standing up for righteousness. The more it is going to separate. Uh, the wheat from the tares, as you, as you mentioned uh, about Matthew 13, there at the start mm-hmm. of your your talk, and we're going to continue to see uh, this separation. And unfortunately, uh, I know too well that the majority of the churches will conform to the worldly standards, to the to the standards of the government, and to the practices of wickedness over the precepts of the Lord. But it happens for a reason, and, and God has allowed it to happen uh, this way for a reason. And we will know the fruits of this battle when everything is all said and done. We're up against the top of the hour break, guys. Uh, folks who might have joined us late, we're joined right now with John Robertson and Pastor Flip Benham. Uh, he is with us tonight. They're staying with us in through hour number two, and Standeo will be joining us in the third hour. But in the next hour, we are going to continue to talk about the transgender issue as it has moved not only from the restrooms of Target, but into each and every school in America. Trust me when I say this will be used as the basis for the criminalization of free speech. This will be the basis for the humiliation, the public um, humiliation, and the spread of communist groundwork. Well, communist uh, infiltration that we have seen because this is part of the communist platform that is necessary to usher in 
a new way of life, a new world order. Not the end of the world, but the end of the world as you know it. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this hour of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're joined by John Robertson and also Pastor Flip Benham. We're talking about, uh, of course, the larger issue that's represented by the executive fiat, the regulation by the, uh, well, it's actually, let let me be very specific. It's called significant guidance uh, issued by the U.S. Department of Justice in tandem with the U.S. Department of Education. And if I can jump in uh, yes, the guidance here, uh, you've seen me pronounce several FDA and HHS guidances on RFID mobile health. That is correct. Where they always say, state at the very end of the guidance, that this is not to be interpreted as law. This is not law. This is something that agencies should follow when thinking about making policy or making policy. Well, it's clearly this is an executive fiat, uh, a desperate attempt by the renegade in chief, by the despot in chief, to circumvent the constitutional process through executive fiat. However, it's more than that. It is an attack on our Judeo-Christian beliefs, our ideologies. You see, very quickly, and and I'll be very quick with this, um, there was a, a, a there's a book uh, entitled uh, titled Our Culture What's Left of It by Theodore Daryl Rimple, written here recently, and, and I'll just quote from it. He uh, he writes this political correctness, which by the way this is, it's communist propaganda writ small. Writes this author. In my study of communist societies, I came to the conclusion that the purpose of communist propaganda was not to persuade or to convince, nor to inform, but to humiliate. And therefore, the less it corresponded to reality, the better. 
when people are forced to remain silent, when they're being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they're forced to repeat the lies themselves, they lose once and for all their sense of probity, integrity, sense of right and wrong, whatever you want to call that. To assent to obvious lies is to cooperate with evil and in some small way become evil oneself. And, and I've long stated that to accept the lesser of two evils is to ascribe to evil, and by acceptance or acquiescence of evil, you are facilitating, if not fully embracing, and even in some cases exporting evil. We must get away from that. that that's my comments, not this author's. And, and to just continue finally with the last two sentences here uh, from Theodore Darrell Rempel in his work, Our Culture, What's Left of It. To assent, or I'm sorry, uh, one standing to resist anything is thus eroded and even destroyed. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control. I think if you examine political correctness, it has the same effect and is intended to. Therefore, and now this is me talking, okay, therefore, what we're witnessing by anywhere between 1% to 3% of the population is a well-funded, heavily orchestrated, heavily um, uh, uh, tactically really efficient um, agenda to not only bring down our culture, our country, our way of life, but to put a muzzle on every one of us who believes in the Bible, the the Holy Bible in the inerrant Word of God, which will be criminalized. First, it'll be censored, and it's that's being done. It's going to shut people like me up, and that, I guarantee you, that's very pleasing to many, even some self-righteous Christians. And trust me when I tell you, we have an abundance, an overabundance of self-righteous Christians who believe that they need to go after other Christians for issues such as this, because, of course, we must be more tolerant. They pervert the gospel. They pervert our, the word of God. They pervert everything that's good in the name of Christianity. Not not here. Not now. Not today. Not ever. Trust me when I tell you, we will be on the front lines to fight this. And understand one more thing before I turn this over. If you don't think that, that we as members of the alternative media are paying and will be paying a heavy price for our position. You don't have a clue of what's coming your way. Because one day, and I don't care if you work as a janitor in school, in a school, and that's not to put down janitors. And I don't care if you're the head of a school board Trust me when I tell you, your rights are being infringed. And your ability to speak your beliefs will be expunged. And there goes our country. Not only that, there goes our ability to worship freely. That's what this is all about. And if you don't think that this matter 
is as important as the geopolitics that we're seeing take place today and is threatening to civilization as the geopolitics of today, then you're sadly mistaken. And I know some people are turning this broadcast off because they don't want to hear this. Oh, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about this. This is a distraction, they might say. It is not. It's at the epicenter of our faith, our culture, and our survival. Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, we have with us John Robertson and Pastor Flip Benham. And uh, I want to thank again both of these gentlemen for coming on because I know uh, they did a show with us not too long ago. We were going to do another installation of that show, but wanted to switch gears with the transgender um News, the, the revelations that's been going on and ongoing in the news, uh, Flip Benham's website, Operation SaveAmerica.org. That's Operation SaveAmerica.org. He's on the front lines battling with abortion, uh, clinics and trying to save the unborn babies and has been doing so for a long time. And John Robertson, our Hollywood insider, uh, a friend of the show and, um, in the thick of the battle as well. Gentlemen, I'm going to welcome you back. John, I'm going to turn it over to you, and let, let us get this hour two started. Well, Joe, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, Doug and Joe, thank you for standing right in the middle of this fight with us. As I said in hour one, you know, here's a quick word to the detractors that Doug touched upon a moment ago. If you don't understand that this is the pivotal moment in the American church, then with all due respect to the fact that we worship the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're confused, okay? So hear me, Mr. and Mrs. Christian, full of self-righteous indignation, get your head out of a hole, because that's where you're at if you don't get what this fight's about. I'm not trying to be rude, I'm just calling it like I see it. And again, as I stated in Hour 1, I've got a whole lot of the brothers that are part of the Hagman and Hagman family on my back, because we understand what this is. Men of the Hagman and Hagman Report, I want to speak to you for a moment exclusively. Not not to exclude women, but I'm just, it, it, it's upon my heart to speak to the men right now. I'm asking you to make two phone calls. Just two phone calls. I'm not asking you to go on air or pick up a sword or write an article or anything else. Make two calls. I want you to call the principal of your kid's school. Okay? And I want you to just clarify a couple things with them. Hello, Mr. Principal. If my 13-year-old daughter attends school... Will she be subjected to uh, either uh, puberty-fueled, uh, sexually-driven young boys uh, potentially changing and showering with her in the locker room or using the restroom next to her? If, if, that, if that is, in fact, going to happen, will my same 13-year-old daughter uh, be suspended for talking about the gospel or suggesting the, the importance of the life of Jesus Christ in history class? Same with, same with your son. Hear me, men. Ask them, is, is my son going to be placed in a situation where he's being challenged by young men of a, of a confused uh, sexual stronghold that's been, that's been placed upon them probably since a very young age? But if that same son of mine wears a T-shirt to school that says John 3.16 on it, he's taken a vacation, an administration-mandated vacation. That's one call. Call your principals. It's easy to do. The second call I want you to make, men, I'm asking you, tomorrow night is Wild Wednesdays on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Doug and Joe, open up the phone lines for the entire show. 
I want you to make tomorrow night's show smoke, okay? This is it. We hear this metaphor all the time from all the brothers and sisters that come on these shows about how the boat is getting near the falls. We're going to go over the falls. We're going to go over the cliff. Folks, we went over, okay? We went over. Prepare for impact. That's what's going on, and that's why Flip and I are with you tonight. As Joe said, we had another show planned, a second installation about the American church today, and we'll, we'll bring that to you folks later. What I want to do before I turn it back over to Flip, I want to, I want to go over a couple of definitions because Doug skipped this perfectly. In the book 1984 by George Orwell, it's called Newspeak, okay? And Doug Hagman has been saying this for years on this show. Words have meanings. I'm going to demonstrate right now the difference, you know, Flip talked in hour one about the feet of the serpent and the feet of our risen Savior and the difference. And I'm going to demonstrate that difference right now by simple definition of words. So hang with me here, folks. This is from Breitbart.com, April 27, 2016, written by Katie McHugh. It's very short. Quote, Barack Obama's Department of Justice is deploying a new term for convicted criminals. Justice involves individuals. Not criminals, not convicts, not inmates. No, Barack Obama has determined they are justice-involved individuals. Newspeak. Be very discerning about this, because as they change the words we use, or at least attempt to, they will confuse many in the church. Let's take a look at what Merriam-Webster.com has to say about gender identity. And this is important, because there's two definitions here. The original definition and the updated definition. I'm going to give you the original definition first for gender identity. Again, Merriam-Webster.com. Gender identity, a person's internal sense of being male, female, some combination of male and female, or neither male or female. Now, I'd like to point out that on the paper that the White House uh, sent down to the Department of Education and the Department of Justice this last Friday, Friday the 13th, May 2016, by the way, folks, you can read it in its entirety at www.thenumeral2.ed.gov. That website, once again, is www.2.ed.gov. On page three of that, they begin referring to students, both male and female, as it, much like you would, I don't know, a pet or an inanimate object. Back to gender identity, Merriam-Webster. This is the new definition. Quote, the totality of physical and behavioral traits that are designated by a culture as masculine or feminine. Excuse me, but I think that it was the Lord God when he touched each uh, would-be man with that divine spark of life who determined whether it be masculine or feminine, certainly not to be determined by a culture, designated by a culture. Let's take a look at the definition quickly of transgender. Transgender, of relating to or being a person, this is parenthetical, as transsexual or transvestite, who identifies with or expresses a gender identity that differs from the person's sex at birth. Again, back to what Flip said last hour. It is a humanist approach proclaiming I am God, and most importantly, it's a lie straight from hell. And here's one just to give you a quick giggle, since this is kind of a heavy show tonight. Here's a new word that I bet almost none of you have heard because it blew me back in my chair two days ago. The word is cisgender. C-I-S-G-E-N-D-E-R. Cisgender. Cisgender, folks, is defined by Merriam-Webster as being the following. Quote, of relating to or being a person whose gender identity corresponds with the sex the person had or was identified as having at birth. 
cisgender, folks, up until Thursday, May 15th, that was called normal. No, no, now it's cisgender. Listen, there is no such thing as transgender in the dictionary of the kingdom of God. I had the blessing to speak with Pastor Langford quickly before the show today. We had a great prayer. You know, Pastor Langford said, and I quote, somebody better stand up, end quote. And we call Pastor Langford the, the spiritual advisor to the Hagman and Hagman Report. And he said to me, John, quote, somebody better stand up, unquote. And I'm asking the thousands upon thousands of you that are listening to this show tonight, stand accountable. Stand up. Call your principal. Make tomorrow night's Wild Wednesday historic on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Dads, grandfathers, mothers, grandmothers, if you're legal guardians, if you're not fired up, then you're not paying attention. Come on. The church has slept for 50 years while every single moral standard placed, gifted to us by God so that we could have proper civilization has been completely vulgarized and totally counterfeited. This is what's going on. How does somebody become transgender? You know, lots of Christians feel this sort of emotionally driven empathy for the plight of the transgender. This is what you've got to understand. It is a sin and it is a stronghold that is embedded deep within a child when they are very, very young often and even precognitive. And you say, well, that's not very fair. How can that happen? I'll explain to you how it happens. And Pastor Langford, if you're listening, brother, thank you for helping me sort this out. Folks, children are sanctified through their parents until the age of accountability. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, uncles and aunts, listen to me. This is why you must be holy and of good repute and of good rapport with your kids and grandkids. Don't have one too many at Easter or their birthday party because they see that and it brings the flow of sin generationally into the family. Children are sanctified through their parents until the age of accountability. Now, how do we know this? Well, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 7.14. This is the King James Version. 1 Corinthians 7.14, quote, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Words mean something. Sanctified else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Now, if, if, if you follow 1 Corinthians 7, 14, where does that bring you? Well, here's the beautiful part. Watch this. This is how, this is how much our God loves us. <laughs> Even the biggest sinners among us. Proverbs 22, 6, King James Version, quote, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's the beauty of it. If you do it right, the, the Lord gives you the power and the strength, and you can you can actually protect your young children from a demonic stronghold being placed deep within them, so that a couple of years later they may in fact identify as transgender. I want to read quickly, and this, these are very brief, folks, and then I'm going to hand it back to Flip. These are directly from that letter that King Hussein sent down through Loretta Lynch and uh, uh, little Arnie over at the Department of Education on Friday, uh, May 13th. This is, uh, again, www.2.ed.gov. Quote, restrooms and locker rooms. A school may provide separate facilities on the basis of sex, but must allow transgender students access to such facilities consistent with their gender identity. Remember what Flip said last hour. 
It's all about me. I am my own God, and I will determine if I am a boy or a girl. I quote Greg Jackson, you're either a chick or a dude. Lastly, again, from the same paper coming down from uh, King Hussein over there in the uh, White House. Quote, housing and overnight accommodation. Now, I want you folks to really stop and think about this. Housing and overnight accommodations. Sixth grade science camp. Cheerleading camp. Football training camp. Housing and overnight accommodations. And they, they use Title IX, which, as Doug pointed out, was originally written in 1972 as part of equality for women. Title IX allows a school to provide separate housing on the basis of sex. Listen to me. But a school must allow transgender students access to housing consistent with their gender identity. So men of the church, men of the Hagman and Hagman Report, you can either pick up the phone and call your principal and make some noise. You can pick up the phone tomorrow night and Doug and Joe will hand the mic to you. Or you can keep your son home from sixth grade science camp and you can keep your daughter home from cheerleading camp. Or you can just let them go and gamble with potential rape, molestation, and at the very least, some serious confusion. I'm going to pass it back to Flip. Brother Flip, if, if you would, you know, I wanted to, to do this tonight with you, especially because you have been in the absolute middle of the melee there in Charlotte, North Carolina. And folks, for those of you who don't know, Flip Bennett has taken so much heat, including on a lot of these frontline alternative uh, internet uh, media platforms. He's taken a lot of heat. He's been called all kinds of names because he's been getting his knuckles scraped up and getting bloody in this fight in Charlotte, North Carolina. My brother Flip Benham has stood strong, he has stood on the Word of God, and he has stood in the city council meeting and directly addressed the mayor. If I remember correctly, Flip, I think he gave you, what, about seven minutes to speak to her. Flip, I'm going to pass the mic to well, you, brother, uh, and just... Hang on just, hang, hang on just one second, John and, and Flip. Just one Thank moment, you. please. Indulge me just one moment here. Um, I just want to make this point. An argument that will be made and is being made by the proponents of perversion is this lie that there have been no incidents of sexual assault except by those who are anti anti um, uh, homosexual, for example, or homophobes, except by homophobes against those um innocent victims that is a lie from the pits of hell the mainstream corporate media is blacklisting all incidents of sexual assaults peeping toms perversions in the ladies rooms and in in, in restrooms i should say perversions all across America, right now, I've got five, and I'm just, I'm not gonna go through them, but, but just Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on April 18th, last, okay, James Shoemaker, he's accused of using a phone to look at a 10 year old girl in Sheets restroom, Clearwater, Florida, Ricky Blake Thompson, look that up, April 30th, 2016, uh, Olympia, Washington, January 25th of this year, sexual assault victim speaks out against Washington's transgender bathroom policies, Seattle, Washington, unidentified male in locker room cites gender rule. That from KGW News, February 16th, 2016. Prince William 
County that on November 7th of last year, uh, dressed like a woman in uh, Potomac Mills using a woman's restroom to peep on ladies. So if you, ladies and gentlemen, do not believe the lies that that perversions are not taking place. I just wanted to insert that here. And I don't know if you mentioned it, but there was recently a, a man who choked an eight-year-old girl in a bathroom, uh, and her mom found her and rescued her. He was the the, the man exactly. was trying to yes. drag the yes. unconscious girl into a stall. Yes, and yes. that was just in the last week as well. So, so we we have made the perversion of pedophilia much easier for these moral, spiritual, bankrupt degenerates. And I want to hear Christians, and I want to see Christians stand up and say no to this. Go ahead, Pastor Flip Benham. Well, and boy, I'll tell you, that's what was happening here in Charlotte. There are a bunch of lies going on. Back in 2015, our city council decided that they were going to try and, and pass legislation that would open up bathrooms and public places and government buildings, open up the bathrooms, ladies' bathrooms, that men can go in there if they feel that they're identifying. Uh, and they were going to add to our uh, non-discrimination ordinance um, five little categories. Those five categories were these. Um, one was um, a familial status, sexual orientation, gender identity, identity, marital status, and gender expression. They were going to add these five things to the non-discrimination ordinance that we had established in 1961. And uh, and the, and the um, Charlotte-Mecklenburg Community Relations Committee was uh, the one that came up with these five things. Not, not these gender race, but listen to the five things. They said you couldn't discriminate on the basis of this. Of race, gender, that would be if you're born a male or female. Religion, national origin, and ethnicity. And then later, in 1991, they added age. And then in 1996, they added disability. Do you know what? All of those things, now that's seven of them, all of those things are right. We should not discriminate on the basis of race or gender, religion, national origin, ethnicity, age, or handicap. We shouldn't. But now, this group decided in 2015 very uh, clandestinely uh, in the city council to on February 22nd to bring to a vote immediately, not contacting any of the churches or, or letting anyone know what was going on, they were going to add these five things um, uh, which, which included sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. They were going to add those things to the non-discrimination ordinance. Well, what's wrong with that? Look, the truth is what's wrong with that. The truth has to be proclaimed. Listen, it is not a sin to be black. It is not a sin to be born a male. It is not a sin to be born a female. It is not a sin to be a Jew. It is not. I mean, it is not a sin to be handicapped. It's not a sin to be old. But it is a sin to to begin to identify. Homosexuality is a sin. It can never be made 
you cannot make a moral wrong a civil right. And that's exactly what President Obama and Loretta Lynch are trying to do. They are trying to reorient the whole 1964 Civil Rights Act into something that it was never to be in, in Title IX. There is no way that you can make a sin good or a civil right. And that is what we're doing. Look, it's the truth that is under attack. And, and we are seeing an absolute redefinition of the truth. We are seeing the sin that took place in the garden, that you begin to participate in evil, you determine what is good and what is evil. We are seeing that happen here. Now look, we as Christians have to have eyes to see this. It is so much bigger than bathrooms. It is so much bigger than abortion. It is so much bigger than Islam. It is so much bigger. It is the battle that we have been called to fight as Christians. And so what do we do? I'm going to tell you something. First, we better relearn our history. What made America great? Why is America the greatest and freest nation that has ever been on the face of this earth? Where the individual, that we realize that, that we are created with certain unalienable rights, and these are self-evident. Well, they're not so self-evident anymore as you listen to John go through the definitions. I, I couldn't understand half of them, you know, because things get real complicated when you're lying. Things get real complicated when you're trying to cover up the truth, and you got to play games with words. Whenever anybody says to you, it's complicated, you better watch out for that person. If we're going to tell you it's complicated, then you better know that this isn't coming from the Word of God, because God is not complicated. Little children understand it, and, um, and we need to understand it. So what do we do when we see truth come under attack? Well, I'm going to tell you the first thing we got to do is restate the truth, and do it boldly, and do it with courage, and do it with conviction. This is what we need. Just restate the truth. Say the word of God. When the devil tempted Jesus, what did he use to fight the devil? The word of God. We can count on the word of God. It doesn't change because our God doesn't change. And it is what sets us free. And his word, when it's spoken, it makes things. It creates things. It unleashes supernatural power into those who will use it, the Word of God, and to use it properly. You know, the difference, I think Mark Twain um, or Samuel, known as Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain um, wrote this. He said, you know, the difference between a right word and an exact word is the difference between a lightning bug and lightning. I think that's a pretty good statement. We need to restate God's truth. We don't need to be lightning bugs telling everybody about the Word of God or what it says there. We need to use the Word of God, and we need to use it rightly. And that means that we've got to get more familiar with the Word of God, because most of us have forgotten it. We're out there wringing our hands, wondering, what's God going to do now? I mean, I believe in Him, but you, you don't know how to apply it. You're not like the Metavisikar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And so you just don't know the Word of God, and therefore you're sort of hopeless, and you're beginning to lose hope, and you just begin to fall into that pool of despond and despair and depression from which you can't extricate yourself. Well, God says, stop it. I've got a word for you every day, and if you'll come and visit, 
visit me in my office, which is wherever you are, he'll be there, and, and he has the light on, and he's saying, look, just get up a little early in the morning. Come on, I'll give you the instructions for the day. I'll give you information that your kids are going to need. I'll help you. I will do supernatural things for you. I will show you what I want you to do if you will just trust me and be in my word. But don't lean on your own understanding and try and overcome this and try and make it happen because it isn't going to work. So the first thing that we must do is restate the truth with conviction and Holy Spirit power and anointing, and God begins to move things. And then we need to reaffirm the truth. We need to reaffirm the fact that I believe that, and my, I'll tell you what, I'm going to place my life on the line for it. And that's no gamble for me, because I know it's true. I know it's true. Reaffirm the Word of God. Reaffirm and help reaffirm and re-encourage a whole bunch of other people that are losing courage. They're beginning to hide. So many men of God are hiding now in caves while Goliath is out there prancing around saying, Send me a man. And everybody's hearing those taunts. Well, David heard the same taunt, and he ran right at that giant and took him out. But the fact of the matter is, most of the army was in the caves. They were hiding. God wants us out of the cave. Get out of the closet. The enemies of God are out of the closet. Church, get out of the closet. If you, if you know the truth that sets you free, then reaffirm it. Reaffirm it, and then finally, reapply it. We're going to apply this to our city council, which in 2015 took a vote and almost... One back in on February 22nd, 2015. But for the fact that hundreds and thousands of Christians came out to that city hall and they realized they couldn't handle this and they got scared. They did. And the mayor Roberts is an enemy of Almighty God. Now she wasn't the mayor then. There was another man that was the mayor. But, but the city council took a vote. They thought they had the vote right, and they lost it six to five because they couldn't count. God had sent a mix-up in them. They couldn't count, and they lost that vote. And we, as Christians, were rejoicing because we had prayed that God would send confusion upon them. And sure enough, confusion came upon them, and they didn't pass that bill, and we thought it was done. But we made a big mistake. You see... We could have, we, the Church of Jesus Christ in the city of Charlotte, could have handled this issue because we knew that we needed to get a new mayor elected because election time was coming up in November. And unfortunately, 34% of the LGBT community in Charlotte turned out to vote. 8% of the Church of Jesus Christ turned out to vote. And guess what? We got an enemy of Almighty God and a little lady by the name of Jennifer Roberts who'd served as county commissioner. She is pro-homosexual, pro-abortion. She is against everything about God, and yet she uses his name all the time. And I have had opportunities to confront her on several occasions in the city council and tell her, and, and just to remind her, ma'am, you dug this hole and you're going to fall into it yourself. You have turned not only our city in, in, into moral chaos and all hell is breaking loose in our city, but you have got our state in huge trouble because of this non-discrimination ordinance that you finally got passed. 
in a seven to four vote and it was her she was elected for the specific purpose to make this the first item on her agenda this non-discrimination ordinance and so the city of charlotte was the city that got this whole thing started and finally we got our state legislature to vote on a thing called HB2. You know, I've noticed in all of the media reporting that all of the media just seems to think that HB2 was something that was just formed, you know, for no reason at all. They just wanted to discriminate against everybody. That was such a lie. It was was brought into place and voted into law and signed by our governor um, 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 McCrory, and it was done to stop the nonsense that was happening in the Charlotte City Council. And it put a stop to all opening up all of the bathrooms and being able to sue certain businesses that did not comply with that ordinance. So it just put a stop to the whole thing. HB2 was a great bill because it took out the five things that the uh, that the homosexual community had added to the non-discrimination ordinance which was um family status uh um, marital status sexual orientation uh gender identity and gender expression it just removed all of those and it said that no business can be sued for not allowing men into ladies' bathrooms. It, it, it made that statement. It was really a great bill, and it is a great law. Now, our government, our governor changed that a little bit and added sexual orientation in there. That was a bad move on his part. But let me tell you what, what has happened to us and what we've realized. We could have, as the Church of Jesus Christ, solved this whole issue if just more than 8% of us had turned out to vote in, this, in the city. So we are going to take the mayorship back from Jennifer Roberts. We are going to win. We're going to get two more councilmen in there, and we've got the vision that we're going to take all all of those council members out and put in council members that fear almighty God. This is the power. We can actually do this and we're going to do it here in the city of Charlotte. Now we can't rely on our friends in Raleigh to always bail us out. But what we found out is what went to Raleigh and now, and then became a state issue, then became a national issue. And now we've got Barack Obama on Friday the 13th, just deciding that he's going to do this. By fiat. Yes, he is. He, he is going to do this and throw us into such incredible chaos. Can you imagine how confusing this is for our kids right now? Look at kids that have got all sorts of things going on inside of them as they're growing up. And now they're, they're trying to figure out, well, I, I should be homosexual friendly. I don't want everybody to hate me. I don't want them to think that I'm a homophobe. What are we doing to our kids? This is child abuse. And, and it's going on, and it's going on with the express consent of the Church of Jesus Christ. We are the ones that have failed here, and we're getting our fingers pointed in the right direction. Now we know that we are going to replace the mayor. You see, we're going to restate the truth. We're going to reaffirm the truth. We're going to reapply it by moving all of them out of their office. And we are going to be vigilant, and we are going to be salt in our city, and we're going to be light in our city, and we're not going to put up with this anymore. Now, as for Target... Look, you, you, you begin to see how big this battle is because and how much it's not just about money. If you think Target is losing a bunch of cash and they're losing a bunch 
of folks that would shop there that will never go back again, no matter what Target does. But you see, it doesn't matter to Target. It's almost like you see the very same spirit that inhabited Pharaoh. Remember? Pharaoh, I mean, all of Egypt was destroyed by the plagues, and now Pharaoh is chasing uh, the, the Israelites and, and is going to go right across the Red Sea, trying to do it the same way that Moses and the Israelites got across the Red Sea, and that was not a good idea. Uh, and all of them drown. But they, his, his uh, leaders said to him, do you not realize, Pharaoh, that all of Egypt is ruined? But it wouldn't stop him. He was going to go because he was driven by the devil himself. The devil doesn't care about Pharaoh. He could care less about Pharaoh. He's got lots of Pharaohs, many Pharaohs. He owns them. And, and it just, see, so the bottom line is, even if it means my destruction, I don't care. It's just let everything be destroyed. Same thing with Adolf Hitler. He should have ended that war a long time before he did because he knew they were going to lose, but he couldn't stop. He continued to go. It's the spirit in him. And that same spirit is dwelling in uh, Jennifer Roberts, who is our mayor, and several of the council people that are sitting on that council, and that's the battle that we fight. Look, in Target, they don't care about how much money. They, they don't even understand what they're doing. Anybody with a common sense, if money is your bottom line, then you're going to just repent of what you did and, uh, and try and get all the customers back you can. But do you think that's going to stop Target? No way. They'll take it right down to the ground because they don't realize that the spirit that's dwelling in them is going to destroy them as it destroys everything else. That's what is happening. This is the battle that we fight. And when we know that spirit, we know that there's no way to buy your way out. Have you, if you ever watched the uh, Dark Knight, uh, the Batman movie, The Dark Knight, and I, I think the Joker played the greatest villain, the greatest, the, the, the most, the, the, I, he he performed and, and acted out the devil better than anyone I have ever seen when he was sitting on top of that money. And he said, and there were piles and piles of money, and all the gangsters were around him, and he just poured gasoline all over it and set it on fire. I said, what is, are you nuts? Why would you do that? And he says, I don't know. I'm just an agent of chaos. And that's the spirit that we're dealing with. This is an agent of chaos. He's seeking to just deform and dement our children with all sorts of lies. They don't know anything worth that they can really stand on or anyone that's telling the truth and they're not hearing about it. I talked about in the pulpits, but this is something that we've got to get into the hearts of our kids or we're going to lose every single one of them. And listen, the next generation and the generations coming behind us are depending upon us. So here's what we're going to do in Charlotte. We are going to take the city council back again. And no matter what they do up in Raleigh or what they do in Washington, D.C., at least in our city, this is not going to happen anymore. Where it began, it's going to end. And, and we are going to reapply the truth of God's word, and we're going to stand for it. Now, this is what we are called to do. This is the hope that we have. And you know what? Target is going to go down the chute. My prayer is that it goes down all the way. And that other corporations will take a look and say, you know, that are not run by the, the seed of the serpent, and say, I don't want that. I don't want to lose these folks. 
and all of a sudden, when one one of these giants goes down, a whole lot more that are boasting and bragging and and, and doing all of their stuff, they're going to come down too. So I'm thankful to be a part of that. You've got a little bit of the history of what's going on. We have addressed our city council over and over again to the point where now Jennifer Roberts has limited our speaking. We're only allowed to speak now once a quarter to our city council, and that only for three minutes uh, at a time. It's insane. They are just wanting to shut us up. This, and the last time I was with them last week, she said, Reverend Benham, this has nothing to do with the budget report. You were supposed to speak in the budget report. And I said, I am, unless the Lord builds the house, the labors labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the, the watchmen stand guard in vain. If God isn't the foundation of this, and Jennifer Roberts, you have shaken your tiny little fist in the face of God, and he has called you to repent and turn to himself. Reverend Benham, stop it! Stop this! You can't talk like that! And I said, but ma'am, I got my three minutes and I'm talking about the budget. And she said, this has nothing to do with the budget. Yes, it does, because it was God that made Charlotte. Now, what are we? The sixth fastest growing city in this country and the 16th largest city in our country. There, There is so much building going on down there in Charlotte, but I'm telling you what, what our little mayor is doing. She's been mayor for just a a few months now, sworn in as mayor in January, so just a few months, and she has totally turned this city upside down. Now, the building is still going on, but we'll see the after effects of this as time goes on, as she has turned her back completely on Almighty God. Our prayer is that we get our folks in there and that we repent before Almighty God and before our city and before our nation and say, never again, never. Amen, Amen, Flip. Well, John, if I, if I can jump in real quick, <clears throat> Flip, you just said something very important, and you talked about how Target will, they, they don't care about the money, they don't care about their customers, nor do they care about their employees, uh, you know, acting as an agent of evil, they will bring and burn themselves down to the ground. Look at what the Republican Party is doing right now. They are doing the same thing. They are, uh, in the face of a Trump nomination, they are willing to burn their party to the ground rather than hand it to this man. And what you said, you can never make a moral wrong, a civil right, needs to be turned into a bumper sticker and put everywhere. Well, brother, just Boy, to do it. it. We've got to restate it. That's a way that it can be restated. People understand that in just a few words. Absolutely. Well, they certainly do and- if I may, gentlemen, I just want to jump in for one or two minutes because I want to give uh, the folks listening a couple of, of solution possibilities here, and then I'll hand it back to Flip to close out our uh, our couple of hours with the Hagman listeners tonight. Folks, parents, grandparents, you've got to get your kids out of these schools. Make the calls, principal. Make the calls to the Hagman. You heard her name four or five times. Her name is Jennifer Roberts, and I'm pretty sure her phone number is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's give Jennifer a call. Welcome her into the mayor's office. (laughs) Grandparents, I want to speak specifically to you for a moment in my last couple of minutes here on the show tonight. If, If you are able to, and your kids, okay, grandparents now, I'm talking to grandfathers and grandmothers, if you've got the means and your kids are working hard and they're living paycheck to paycheck, but you've got a little something extra, Let's look, take a look at Joshua 24:15 quickly here, okay? Grandparents, if you can, circle the wagons around your family, protect your children, and help 
your grandchildren out. Get them out of these public schools before it's too late. You know, I'm reminded of my grandpa Robertson, folks. He had Joshua 2415 screwed next to the uh, screwed onto the wall next to the front door of his home for like 25, 30 years. And I'm just going to read Joshua 2415 quickly. And if it seem evil unto you to serve, and if it seem evil unto you to serve this Lord or the Lord, choose you this day whom ye serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the key. Grandmothers, grandfathers, hear me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that uh, uh, King James definition of house or home is your household. Quickly, Deuteronomy 8.2. This is important, all right? This is God testing his church. Deuteronomy 8.2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And I didn't realize until researching tonight's show, folks, that, that my grandpa Robertson was, in fact, keeping the commandments laid out in Deuteronomy. And that being said, I want to uh, give you quickly Deuteronomy 6, uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Quickly, folks, we, uh, the, the brethren, uh, who backed me up on this show this evening, backed up Brother Flip and, and, and backed up Doug and Show and are a big part of making all this happen. We wrote two articles over the weekend to take a stab back at this thing. You can get them both at brothersonthewall.com or at outlawpatriotnews.com. And those articles are Warrior Ethos by our friend Sergeant Tim, uh, 19 years active duty. Folks, Warrior's Ethos gives you a ton of scripture and explains that sweet spot I prayed about at the uh, intro of the show, the Christian Warrior Ethos. So be sure to check that article out by Sergeant Tim. And then I wrote an article called Satan's School Bus. And what it does is it just gives you a real good concrete foundation to understand in like a thousand words or so, real short, what we're dealing with today, what this has all been about. And lastly... Last year, about this time last year, myself, Doug and Joe Hagman, Greg Jackson, and David Dunham over at Dunham Books, as well as American Survival Wholesale, we sponsored an enormous book giveaway of Greg Jackson's book, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. Folks, I've got about a dozen copies of that book left. If you will contact me at brothersonthewall.com, the email is info at brothersonthewall.com. I've got 12 of those books. First come, first serve. All you've got to do is email me. I will personally cover the, the, the shipping out of my wallet to get this copy of this book to you. Is it because Greg's my friend? Well, yeah, part that's part of it. But, <laughs> but it's because I want you parents and grandparents to give your kids a fighting chance this summer. Summer starts in a couple of weeks. Yank them by the wrist out of these hellhole schools before it's too late. Give them a copy of 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. Get them a good study Bible and give your kids a fighting chance. I just, I'm, I just go back to my grandpa Robertson's door. As for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. Folks, thank you for your time this evening. That's it for me, Brother Flip. I'm going to hand it back to you. Thank you, John. Well, Doug and Joe, thank you so very much for this time. And I, I just want to—I just want to pray with us, if that's all right with you. Oh, absolutely. Let's thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I just thank you so much for the privilege of being on this great radio program and I thank you for Doug and Joe and I thank you so much for John and Pastor Langford, Coach uh, Greg Jackson, just so many wonderful people that I've met, men that are in the battle, men that are bringing people out to the battle, men who are restating your truth, reaffirming your truth, and then reapplying your truth. God, I just thank you for the privilege that you give us to to be those people that you, if we will simply show up, you will show up and show off through us and surprise us all by what you do. And, and you do it all the time, just as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, Father God, we're asking you to do it again. Help us here in Charlotte to be a, a bright, shining light for the Son of God, for Jesus, and for your truth, and to help bring light into this dark, dark place so that our kids are not just confused and in, in chaos, and they are right now, as well as our schools. Everybody is befuddled in the city as to what is happening, and, and the truth is falling in the streets. God, help us to pick up the truth and continue to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that many that there would be clarity once again. And Father, we will give you all of the praise and all of the glory. Watch over Hagman and Hagman. Lord, just keep anointing them keep and keep them burning on the oil of your Holy Spirit so they don't burn up the wick of their lives, but that they, that they burn the oil of the Holy Spirit. And let your name shine throughout this world in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Flip, Brother John, I want to thank both of you for your time tonight, for your insight, for your passion on these issues, and especially for fighting this at a local level. People are so uh, mentally entrapped and and uh, taken by the the presidential election, seeing this as the most important most important set of elections that we have in this country, when really local elections are the most important as they can affect the most change and each and every Christian male from each and every city uh, need to gather together and start putting new leadership in their local municipalities, start at local, move to state and it will branch out into the federal if we understand that we will get far in this country. You, you know, if I can just say this, morality spirituality, the uh, love of the truth biblically based um, uh, behavior is not a top down event it's not a top down right. uh, movement it is it has to start from within within every each and every one of us listening to this broadcast or on this broadcast and from there it like a flame goes upward and and spreads outward don't expect we, to come from the top down right we have to get an agreement Jesus, that we need to change ourselves. From there, we need to ask the Lord to move us in the direction to help change others around us and help others help us continue to to change toward that biblically right precept. We can't, with a, a, as quoting Jesus, you know, with a, a stick in our eye, be pointing out the sins or sticks in other people's eyes. Oh, we need to remove be. Yeah. the sticks from our own eyes before we need to look at another person 
and, and cast blame because everything starts with us and our relationship with the Lord. Amen. Pastor Flip Benham, thank you so much for your time. John, thank you so much for your time and as well as uh, organizing this. And uh, we look forward to speaking with both you gentlemen in the near future, having you back on again uh, to to continue our discussion, uh, what we started to talk about last time you guys were on. And I'm sure this issue will not be going away anytime soon, and we'll be on the front lines with you and behind you. And if there's anything you need from us, you just let us know. This is war saddle for battle, folks. Absolutely. Amen. God Thank bless you, you brother. God bless both you guys. Until Thank next you. time, have a, have a great evening. Uh, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with Stan Dale from standale.com. And we got a lot to get into with him, volcanoes, earth changes, earthquakes, and much more. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Town or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers denials and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Gentlemen, to this hour, the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest, as usual, for this segment of the program, Mr. Stan Dale, standale.com, a man I've followed since, uh, my goodness, since the uh, 1990s during his day on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell and uh, his writings, his works, his book, Cosmic Conspiracy, of course, Holly Dale, her book, Dare to Prepare, um, their projects as well even more recent Stan's lectures, visit standale.com. Take a look at what they have to offer. And just think, uh, in that time, Yes. over 20 years ago, I was sitting here listening to Stan with you. Yes, just in a different venue, a different spot, <laughs> a different just, set of circumstances. Yeah. But, uh, but that's how, how far wow. back it goes. Uh, so we're honored to have Mr. Standale with us. Uh, before we get to Mr. Mr. Dale here, I just want to mention that, well, you know, here at the Hagman studio often, as well as the Hagman household, even Eric the Tech 
we we have situations where we need calmness we need focus we need to reduce our stress anxiety not necessarily suicidal thoughts but uh, that can be included in this WholeTonesLive.com, folks. Visit WholeTonesLive.com. Now, if you're new to this program, you, you've missed, perhaps, the time that WholeTonesLive.com creator, Michael Terrell, has been with us and explaining the mu- healing music frequencies of King David. And if you're sick and tired of being stressed and overwhelmed and, and unmotivated, if you yourself sometimes like we get we feel like life is running us as opposed to us running our life finally you have you can experience the scientifically proven powers of music therapy through wholetoneslive.com this is a collection of proven music therapy that can help reduce reduce and relieve stress ease your mind motivate you you can you can you can actually heal yourself today, if you will, or I, I shouldn't say it like that. You can get the the special frequencies of the music, the beautiful melodic sounds. Oh, how great this is. In fact, our studio dog lady loves these songs beyond beyond what you might imagine. She goes to sleep, as does my wife, with whole tones playing in the background. Folks, listen to a free sample at of this amazing music at wholetoneslive.com the music was inspired by the biblical sounds, the music of King David folks you can go to wholetoneslive.com and read all about how this all came about, the different frequencies and I suggest you do that we've been getting so many emails from satisfied uh, customers of Whole Tones Live uh, many, many who say our, our our work is more productive, our time is more productive, our moods are positively affected. Um, understand, this is biblical. So, and again, I would urge everyone to go back and listen to whole to, or uh, listen to Michael Terrell on our show and listen to the samples at WholeTonesLive.com. Go to the website, folks. Go to WholeTonesLive.com. Download a free sample. That's WholeTonesLive.com with a W. That's W-H-O-L-E, ToneslLive.com. Again, WholeTonesLive.com. Download a free sample, and then from there, order your set of music. WholeTonesLive.com. Support this broadcast, this show, and go to WholeTonesLive.com. With that, I'm just so proud. Thinking back of of the times, Joe, that, that you and I would listen to Stan on uh, Coast to Coast AM and uh, Art Bell talking about events of that day, never thinking, never thinking we'd have the opportunity to talk with him in person, live and in person. What a, what a great man. Yeah. What a great family, him and Holly. Stan, thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you, guys. I do appreciate the uh, the platform here. It uh, allows me to get uh, interaction with your listeners, my listeners, and uh, people coming to our website. It's a uh, two-way street, you know. I do these shows with you and comment, uh, give opinions and news articles and stuff with you guys. And, of course, I, I'm talking to you like we're sitting here next to a fireplace or something, you know. And, you know, tomorrow, the next day, and the day after, I'll be getting emails from people out there that some I know, some I don't. And you suddenly remember, well, gee, it wasn't just Doug and Joe. Uh, it was all these people, too, out there. And uh, I, 
guess if I was thinking about that real time, I'd get nervous and think there's so many people out there listening, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Us <good>. too. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. It, it's amazing the information we get, Stan, from so many people. And b- by the way, folks, we have, um, tips at hagmanreport.com. That's T-I-P-S, tips at hagmanreport.com. And we do receive them. We do read every one of them. We vet to the best of our ability. And we send some on to Standeo and, and others. So so I would encourage you, uh, if, if for some reason you can't, email Standeo. Email us and we'll, we'll get the question or, or comment or um, tip to the appropriate party. So, yeah, it's it's amazing to think how many people are listening to this broadcast and uh, not... You know, um, I was talking to you just before we went on air. I got an email from a friend of ours down in Florida named Tim Powers. And um, he uh, is, of course, a listener to your show. And he looked at the articles that I put up there in the pictures about this uh, coup de pas uh, asteroid meteor that, you know, impacted the east coast of... India and uh, caused the breakup of the continents and all that kind of stuff. And he said, hey, have you seen this article? It just came out down in an Australian newspaper about, you know, um, a scientist down there at the, at the University, Australian National University, who has discovered an impact crater in Australia. Uh, oh, sorry, the, 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 uh, the signals of a large impact crater, but he couldn't find the crater. And it was in a place called Marble Bar in the northwest of Australia. I said, well, no, Tim, I'll have a read of the article. And so I went through it and I poked through it. And it's a short article. Um, I, I've got a, a link to it somewhere and all this stuff here. Um, um, the uh, I think it's here at the top page in the left first picture. Discovery of evidence on large asteroid impact. And this is the, 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 an example of the value of our readers you know, feeding back to us, you know, questions, uh, news stories, photos, that kind of stuff, because, you know, it it keeps us on the straight and narrow, and it uh, helps us to uh, find things to explain to people. Now, this particular find by Tim here uh, may seem rather innocuous in itself, and I, for a moment I looked at it, and it said, okay, uh, this, uh, this, this doctor uh, down in Australia at the university found tiny glass beads in a core sample dug down in Marble Bar in the northwest of Australia. And it was in between two volcanic magma layers that had hardened, you know, gazillions of years ago, according to them. And it's Dr. Andrew Glitzen's work. Now, I've written to him. Uh, He's uh, part of the uh, Planetary Institute at the Australian National University because all this implicated that there was a a meteor or an asteroid, he, he prefers to call it, that was about 12 to 18 miles in diameter, the actual asteroid, right? And uh, the crater, he estimates, they haven't found it yet, but he says the crater would be hundreds of kilometers wide, uh, and that would be in our speed between two and 300 miles in diameter. Now, so I wrote to him because it, it made me reassess the Kudapa asteroid that impacted India and caused the great flood that destroyed Atlantis and tilted the earth on its axis. I thought it went from where it hit India under the mantle over towards the North Atlantic where there is a, a, a kind of a, a bump in the North Atlantic, that 2.3 million square mile bump. Well, I opened up Google Earth and I looked at the, the, all the stuff I'd prepared on its direction going to, toward the Atlantic and I realized 
realized, no, Stanley, wrong. There are two places it could have gone, one to the Atlantic and one to the Southwest Pacific, to New Guinea. And when I did that, it solved all kinds of problems that I was having with the angle of the impact and the various other things that are like tsunamis and stuff like that. And in uh, Dr. Glickson's article, uh, his paper on this, he says it was so big that it would have caused earthquakes beyond what we even measure, you know, like a Richter 10 or something, huge earthquakes. It would have split continents. It, uh, you know, it would have caused tsunamis. It went clear across the world. We're talking about a big thing. And he could not find the impact crater. Well, lucky us, we know that the impact crater is in the uh, Indian Ocean, and it was where India was stretched down, but it left a huge dip about, oh, I think, 85 meters, I think you said, deep in the Earth's surface there, in the middle of the Indian Ocean, you know, at the, at the bottom of it. Um, now, it sprayed molten glass bees, which is what he discovered, up into the air and over onto the northwest um, shoreline of Australia and off into the sea. So I've solved the mystery. Uh, about what direction it was going, what caused uh, uh, Dr. Glickson's uh, discovery there of these, uh, what they call spherules, uh, their little tiny brown glass beads that are vaporized materials from when a, a large asteroid impacts. So it, this is really kind of neat uh, that, that uh, Tim would give me this article today and allow me to uh, correct a mistake uh, and also sake on the direction of the impact. But it did solve so many things. So, yeah. Just uh, underlying the fact that feedback from our readers is good. Interesting. Now, another subject here for today: cosmic rays. I've got a, a link to an article there on the third row down first image, um, and it's an article uh, analyzing the data from January of 2015 to January of this year, showing the increase in cosmic radiation hitting the earth now you might think well okay big deal but the, you'll link to that uh, that article there at space weather news and you'll see this nice little graph with the line going up you know probably about seven percent increase in cosmic radiation well understand this if we're not shielded by the earth's magnetic field and by something else i'll tell you about in a minute from the sun if we're not shielded in that way Cosmic radiation will start to treat us like it does the astronauts up on the uh, space station. Uh, prolonged exposure without shielding can uh, up there can cause the uh, the water solution in your eyes to uh, develop uh, you know cataract clouding because it will hit the the cellular structure there and damage it. Now, more intense, uh, it can cause. Uh, cancer, you know, carcinogenic uh, reactions in your DNA, but it takes a while, you know, days, weeks, months, depending upon the, the density. So, why are the cosmic rays intensifying? It could be due to a thing that happens on the sun. Um, the sun, you know, coronal mass ejections and flares do occur from time to time, and sadly, some of them are aimed directly at the Earth. Now, they are bad enough in their own right when they're aimed at Earth because they can cause, you know, the uh, uh, electromagnetic pulse that uh, wipes out, you know, electricity and, and computers and technology all over the planet. But when they're not aimed at us, glancing blows or otherwise, 
they actually push cosmic radiation around the Earth, away from us, and they shield us from deep space cosmic rays that could harm us. Included in those cosmic rays, by the way, coming from space, I found today are small portions of antimatter. Believe it or not, we, we get bombarded with antimatter, small particles. Anyway, now, the other point that shields us from the cosmic radiation and hence damage to us and uh, the vegetation and trees and stuff that we use is the Earth's magnetic field itself. Now, you read the same article, uh, Joe, I think you did too, uh, Doug, on spaceweather.com here a couple of days back, showing a picture of the magnetic field of the Earth. And when you look at the way they've drawn it or created it, you see two red blobs up where the North Pole should be, one over the United States and one over Russia. And that's supposed to be the North Pole, except the North Pole's magnetic field is in two places. If you click on that picture, it'll take you to the spaceweather.com report that I've saved on our website so you can see it. And you'll notice up at the top in those red circles where the magnetic field is splitting, it is definitely splitting because you can see the very faint little white oval contour lines on both of those red fields that they are separate. The contour lines close. They are separate North Pole magnetic fields. Two North Poles right now. Now down at the South Pole on that same image, you have a contour uh, line graph in the middle of a larger red field. The area of the South Pole magnetic field is bigger than the two areas, the cores of the two areas of the North Pole, but it's not split yet. So we've got one massive South Pole magnetic field and two smaller North magnetic fields. Now, I've talked to you about that before, uh, you know, uh, showing that NASA had uh, described what might happen or what will happen when we have a magnetic pole reversal, as we do from time to time, a long time to time. It says that you can have not only two, but maybe three pairs of north-south fields floating around inside the core of the Earth which creates all kinds of interesting problems when you have a shield with bumps in it and shield cancellation allowing, you know, damaging ultraviolet, to, you know, in the sea range and uh, cosmic radiation to, to penetrate down to ground level where we are. So it's an interesting thing that this is happening so rapidly. And the article goes on. If you click on the, the new study link there, it'll take you over to the European Space Agency where they talk about the data they're getting on our magnetic field. This constellation of satellites called a swarm has been up for a couple of years, and it is definitely showing that the the magnetic field is changing at a rate of about 3% over the last two years. Now, that's fast in, in planetary terms. So this tells us we're in a state of change, not only the Earth, but we've got to watch for what's happening on the sun because it does something similar. Anyway, there, there are three articles there you can, uh, you know, pictures you can click on and have a look at these things. I do think it's important to, to stay on top of the magnetic field changes for a variety of reasons. Some aren't quite so obvious, but CMEs, flares from the sun, yeah, they actually help us when they're not aimed straight at us. That's the, the major point of this discussion here. And because they, they bend the cosmic radiation uh, around us, uh, the Earth, so that we don't get hit by so much. Something I wasn't even aware of myself. But anyway, I thought it would be interesting to see. Uh, Stan, I got a question. Um, in, in your years as uh, a scientist and observing these these uh, 
anomalies in the magnetic field. Have you ever seen a time where there has been two north and two south poles on the Earth? Well, no. And, you know, that may be because we didn't have the, the satellite data to to give us an accurate picture. But um, um, I, I do know that we've seen when a, a CME uh, hits the Earth that I've watched on a, on a compass that we can get a drift of the magnetic field of the North Pole by as much as 20, 25 degrees. And it'll be that way for several hours, and then eventually it'll swing back to where it belongs. So it's a very flimsy field when you think about it, that a, a CME can just hit the Earth, you know, surrounding fields and, and atmosphere and cause the magnetic north to deviate that far. Fortunately, it passes quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's, that's fascinating. And as I was uh, explaining to you uh, during the break when I was looking at the space weather map, I did not understand that that was two North Poles. I was wondering where <laughs> the the North Pole was on the map. I, I figured it was on the other side of the globe where, you know, you couldn't see it. But as you broke it down for me uh, before we went on air, it, it the light went off in my head, and, and it made sense. Just uh, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, oh, listen, on that um, that meteor or asteroid thing, I forgot to tell you, I found something else that uh, you can look at the picture I've got there in that row of the, on the left of the Earth, big blue globe, and you'll see it, it talks about the Kudapa impact ring. That was where uh, eastern India used to be before the shockwave moved it up in the Himalayas. And if you get onto your Google Earth and zoom down to that little tiny circle there that, I'm, that I show... Uh, you'll see uh, kind of a little black uh, area that they fish in and stuff. It's uh, just underneath the surface of the ocean in places, and it forms kind of like a little reserve for fish and stuff. And if you look just kind of uh, at the dark black rings, you'll see at the top, uh, kind of the top left part of that, that little black area, if you zoom in onto it, you'll see three parts, three uh, parts of a circle or rings from the impact that the meteor made and those rings are on the right side or the east side indicating that the impact went that way and I had never seen these rings before but they're there which is really good to to know and uh, I've, you know I've put the the lines there to show the yellow lines to show where Australia was at the time of the impact but then you can go on over to um, the uh, second and third image I found something rather interesting there the, the uh, second one is, is self-explanatory but the the misshapen, the distorted picture of Earth as a globe is the third one and it's called the, the geoid height but what it means is how far the Earth is punched in or raised up in certain places on the Earth and this was just a, a it's exaggerated but it gives you an idea of the blue area is a depression where the, uh, the asteroid hit, and it's sunken in. But to the right, look at the right. Uh, New Guinea is shoved out. I mean, it's really distorted. And that gives you a feel for how powerful this thing was that we're talking about and how it could have, you know, thrown those little glass beads over toward Australia. Anyway, um, you know, we've got several people on our um, Antichrist watch list or, or false prophet as well, you know, the leaders in the Middle East and whatever, and and here too. One of them is Erdogan, 
the uh, president of um, Turkey. And a, a rather interesting thing is an article that the Chinese newspapers put out about Erdogan. He is one to change the constitution of Turkey. And while I'm telling you this, think about Obama and the United States and our constitution. Erdogan's want to change their constitution so that he gets total control of everything in Turkey. He will be an absolute dictator. And he's, he's pushing to change the constitution to do that. And we have a possibly a similar situation going to arise here later in the year as things heat up um, in either the presidential election and or the Middle East uh, as far as fighting between uh, the Arabs and ISIS and Israel and all that kind of stuff. And on that subject, uh, Holly's just finished her book, The Prophetic Perils. Just uh, She's doing last-minute proofreading and stuff before we send it off to the printers tomorrow. And she was showing me a map, reminded me uh, of a section of the book where she shows and discusses the uh, the war where the Arab nations are going to ally and go against Israel. Um It's a, it's the Psalms War, anyway. Now, it shows a line after the war of which countries are now taken in as the new boundary for Israel. It's going to expand hugely. It'll take the northern half of Saudi Arabia and all over into Iraq and Iran. So this invasion, which is due imminently, is the first one. It's not the Gog Magog. This is the, the, the Psalms War. And what's going to happen is Israel is going to destroy with fire the armies of the Arab Union that young Prince Ben Salman has put together. Some 36 to 39 Arab nations are in this, this coalition. Now, if he is the Antichrist, if he is, and he leads that uh, attack, and he is at that time or shortly thereafter wounded uh, in an attempt to assassinate probably some of his relatives there in the Saudi court, if he is wounded, he and either there or in the war that happens with Israel, he will not be able to be as forceful and as effective as he was when he was before the the head wound, which allegedly kills him. Now, his home, his his home territory is Riyadh, in the center of Saudi Arabia. North of there is what the Bible says is uh, going to be given to Israel or be taken by Israel in this war, which they win. They are, they're going to win so decisively with fire, you know, probably nuclear fire, that the armies will just be decimated. The, the, the countries that are hit by this invasion, uh, the reaction to the invasion, will just be in chaos. So Israel will take over those areas, but they're going to leave the southern part of Saudi Arabia from Riyadh down to you know, whoever's ruling, which will probably be either King Solomon still or his uh, uh, nephew, Bin Nayef, or uh, Mohammed bin Salman. I know there's a lot of these names I'm throwing around, but anyway, I, I did see that in Holly's book as she was paging through it today, and it's uh, wonderful to see because it all fits in the line that uh, we're about to see that war. Um, and uh, the, the, the pieces on the chessboard are just lined up perfectly. Erdogan now, where I started this conversation, Erdogan is consolidating power to himself, absolute dictator. He actually likes Solomon, King Solomon, and, uh, you know, is a big fan of the uh, the Sultan, uh, Suleiman of Turkey, who was named after Solomon, of course. And I think he fancies himself as one of those himself, but he is going to
causing or allowing Israel to build Solomon's temple up on the Temple Mount so they can have a place to worship, and he'll be you know, technically kind of like a hero to Israel at that point in time. Now, if he's the false prophet, and uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the prince, is the Antichrist, you can see how this would work. Solomon gets wounded. His armies are decimated. Somebody's got to pick up the reins to the Arab uh, nations at that point in time, the Arab uh, Islamic nations, and that, I think, is forming up to be Erdogan. He's he's going to support the memory of, uh, of Prince Salman, what he did, you know, trying to destroy Israel and that kind of things, the sacrifice he made. And you can see where he will do things with uh, attention being focused on Ben Salman as having caused it or initiated it. And we know that the, the Saudis, of course, are uh, angry at the moment about these papers that the Senate has just uh, passed a bill to say that they will release the 28-page document on the uh, the information the FBI supplied to the Congress after 9-11 occurred, uh, detailing the Saudis involved in this. And uh, so Saudi Arabia is not happy with the United States at the moment. You can just see all these things coming to a head. Anyway, that's my long What does... Well, well, it's interesting because now we see the um, um, our relationship with Saudi Arabia, the Senate coming out and saying, "Okay, we're going to open the floodgates or open the doors for potential uh, lawsuits against Saudi Arabia by the victims of 9/11." This by the Senate, not by executive, not by the executive branch, but by the Senate. How do you see that fitting in time-wise? Maybe not the event, but the event within the timeline. How do you see that playing out? Do you think that this will accelerate the um, um, the end of days scenario? I suppose, or the or, or does this or does this not fit in with the end of day scenario? The um, Saudi suit or the Saudi uh, well. Or, yeah. Yeah. Look, um, certainly it'll move quicker than we thought. I don't know whether it's going to accelerate God's uh, prophecies and timelines, but to us it will seem like an acceleration. Things going faster and faster toward the end of days uh, of this age type scenario. Um, the Saudis, uh, by lowering the price of oil, like they've done, and threatening to go on, and they're going to do it, go off of an oil economy onto uh, alternate energy economies and tourism and various other things. Driving the price of oil down so far, I mean, they've, they've increased uh, like 500,000 barrels a day to a million barrels a day, some estimates say, their oil production. They have absolutely crippled our shale oil production in the United States because it, the price is so low that extracting shale oil is not economic anymore, and one or two of the companies have actually gone bankrupt. Um, Sputnik News had an article on it today uh, saying, did the Saudis kill the American shale oil industry? And the answer is probably, yeah. Uh, so we have this this bone to pick with them. They have a bone to pick with us, especially since we're threatening to release all these papers implicating Saudi Arabia, as you said, and the lawsuits could uh, eventuate, even though there's supposed to be an international agreement that says uh, victims of uh, attacks cannot really uh, sue countries for you know the actions of their people. But, you know, the Saudis said, if you do that, a couple of things are going to happen. We're going to continue our oil uh, to, uh, price depression, and we're going to take $750 billion worth of our uh, U.S. bonds or whatever it is that they've bought into, and we're going to start selling those.
us off uh, to cripple the U.S. economy. And uh, those are rather, rather serious threats. But while this is all happening, understand that Saudi Arabia, in spite of all the oil agreements and various other you know kissy-kissy deals, it looks like, have never been our friend. They are always our enemy. They've always been the enemy. They have been very subtly uh, laying the groundwork for a return to the Crusades where uh, the Islamic leadership and military leadership will defeat the Christian knights, you know, and, and armies completely this time. Um, you know, it, it wasn't settled when the last crusade was done. They did have Jerusalem, but um, uh, uh, Saladin the Great was in charge of that uh, that takeover of Jerusalem and the beating of the crusaders at that last one. But this war has brewed underneath the ground, you know, underneath the breath in the Middle East with the Arabians particularly. And this is his effort, Mohammed bin Salman is going to be his effort to be like the Saladin the Great and overtake, overthrow the Western nations and be absolute ruler of a Muslim world. Um, it's just, it. uh, it's yeah. happening very quickly, as you say, very quickly. Yeah, it, it does seem to be. And, you know, whereas before, I've got to, I've got to say that you've kind of bumped at me to look. Whereas before, I was adamantly, I was just so convinced, oh, the Antichrist of the Bible could never be um, a, a Muslim or, or uh, the head of an Islamic country. I thought, ah, oh. now I'm looking at this and saying, wait a minute. Yeah, it could. He could. And and your research has has done a lot to to push me in that direction, or to direct me, I should say. Very interesting. Um, I, I can well, see. Well, I didn't realize happen. that that was a, an issue about whether he was Middle East or not. But well, you know, I, I, you, yeah, you know, I, I was I was just mentally wrestling with the fact of how how could the world's uh, the world uh, subjugate itself, Western society subjugate itself to a, to a Muslim leader. Without again, I was thinking of this from a Western perspective. I shouldn't say I, I discounted it completely. I guess I didn't realize the potential until you explained it and went through it. I mean, I was I was leaning more towards like a, a, a UK type royalty type of uh, situation or something based on bloodline, more so than the geopolitical slash current events as you're, as you're laying them out. And, and yeah, so, so I mean, that to me is is just a statement of saying, hey, you know, great job, wonderful research. Now uh, you've got me looking at the at all of these other possibilities. And, and I don't say that I, this is not a recent aha moment for me. It, it was a gradual. Um, since you were talking about this, it was gradually, you know, input into my um, into my research. And well, if you think about it, uh, just objectively, the man who uh, Solves or apparently solves the Middle East uh, problem with Israel and the Arab nations is going to have to be someone that is intimately involved from birth with the politics of the region. And no Western leader has that. There is a different mindset. They weren't raised to, to know what to offer to this uh, uh, caliph or caliphate or, you know, to that country to bring this peace solution. And here we have a young man who has got 39 Arab nations to 
get together to form a joint military coalition. That's something in itself. That tells you he, he's got the nows, you know, the knowledge to uh, you work behind the scenes, knows where the bodies are buried or whatever, to get everybody to agree over there. We couldn't do that over here. No Western yeah, leader could true. do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, the, the, the deception as well is going to be exponentially more than we've ever, I think, ever considered even even those of us who are awake and looking perhaps we've been looking inside of a box as opposed to looking at all angles and and, and we're we're hostage at least I have been hostage to western thought looking at everything from a western perspective and I think that's that's really boy that that's an academic mistake but uh, so very interesting oh. hmm. yeah yeah well I guess, you know, a lot of the sacred cows kind of have to be re-examined in light of all the new uh, knowledge that we're getting. I mean, the Bible does say there will be an increase in knowledge in the last days, and that is helping us to fit the pieces together and to understand a lot better about our ancient history and uh, the immediate future. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, writings it may be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right. Fantastic. Stan, I saw, um, I don't know what you want to get into, uh, but I just wanted your take on, on anything you've heard about the, the new Madrid fault line. And, oh, yeah, we've been getting a lot of emails uh, about that. Also, uh, in a separate, maybe separate issue, is the increase in volcanic activity and earthquakes under dormant volcanoes. There is a fault line in western Pennsylvania that uh, did some pretty good damage uh, created a long crack which was linked to uh, another old fault line linked to the new Madrid fault line and we know the DHS has put out uh, what do they call them geospatial uh, assessments and they've listed the new Madrid uh, potential disaster scenario and you know 43 to 44 million affected either by you know displacement or uh, as a direct result of being in the uh, in the intense zone where the most damage happens, but um, have you heard or seen anything to uh, make you wonder if there isn't a reemergence or or a re, uh, renewing of activity with the new major fall line? Um, well, look, I, I'm seeing uh, a number of small quakes, you know, like ones to two point two, two point fives, and the uh, the convergence of the corner of Missis- uh, sorry, Missouri, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Tennessee, which is the top part of the New Madrid area. But the the earthquake fault line you're talking about is actually, uh, I've got a map of it uh, on the uh, show images page. If you go to the bottom of the show images page, about the third row up in the middle, you'll see New Madrid Fault Region plus Yellowstone update. If you click on that, it will take you over to a, a section there showing, I think, at the uh, top right, top row here, let me just see. Yeah, top right, eastern fault line off the New Madrid Fault. Those are the connectors you're talking about. And if you look at that, you'll see that where the earthquakes are occurring, those small ones at the top of the New Madrid, are at the connector between this thing that runs along parallel to the Appalachian Mountain Range up through Pennsylvania and right up into uh, portions of Canada. 
So just have a look at that and see what I'm talking about. You see a red line that, that details it more closely. So, yeah, we're, we're watching this because there have been a number of things offshore on the other side of the Appalachians that have been quakes and small things that, you know, you think, oh, well, that's, that's nothing. But they're indicating stress starting to release in smaller quakes and a good reason to be studying that to see kind of what's causing it. So, yeah, New Madrid, um, it's had, uh, what, four or five earthquakes here in the last week right at the top in a cluster. At the same time, we've had, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, probably 15 to 30 earthquakes in the um, 2 to 3.2 range over in Oklahoma City and north of there up into Kansas. So it's kind of stretching out in the line there, and it's stretching out on a shorter line over the top of the New Madrid. Uh, by itself, you think, well, maybe the, these two are you know, renegades or you know, isolated events, but going over to the west coast and see a cluster of quakes underneath San Francisco toward Fresno and a cluster of these small quakes from Los Angeles down to the border of Tijuana there, you know, through San Diego area down to Tijuana. Uh, and, and this, you know, coupled with uh, an increase in the significant earthquakes up in the middle of the Aleutians uh, ranging from about um, 4.7 up to about uh, 5.4. All that eastern portion of the ring of fire, arc of fire, what do you want to call it, is apparently active. And it's also active, as we know, down in uh, Chile and Peru and Ecuador and of late in uh, Guatemala. Uh, and offshore of from Guatemala, probably the distance uh, uh, width of Texas out into the sea there, there's been a couple of earthquakes out there, 5.8 in the north east Pacific rise. I'm wondering if we're about to see the Juan de Fuca, the big quake we've been worrying about, if that's about to happen, because these small little preliminary cracks are like when you bend a piece of plastic, thick plastic, and you see the little micro fractures starting they just spread out everywhere, little tiny fractures, until you get the big one where the piece of plastic snaps in half. Boom. And that could trigger very well more activity over the New Madrid and uh, that uh, eastern uh, fault line up into Pennsylvania. And I'm wondering about what will happen as well in Oklahoma City, because those are all kind of connected underground and around the edge of the craton, uh, the pillar supporting uh, the American, uh, North American continent. To, you know, on the mantle. So yeah, I'm 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 watching that. I think I'm seeing some interesting developments there. Most of this stuff with a big earthquake has been on the the western side of the uh, Pacific, the arc of fire from New Zealand all the way up to uh, the south of uh, the island of Kamchatka, was part of Russia, just where it touches the Aleutian Island chain, and from there west along the fault lines that connect the. Uh, Pacific Ocean to uh, Europe and to a fault line that comes on over into the North Atlantic. So uh, there's something there's something brewing. I'm pretty sure all those quakes, by the way, on the western side. I was talking about the uh, Pacific and into uh, uh, Asia and Asia Minor. Those are bigger on average. So those uh, those are running at an average of about uh, four and a half to uh, oh well, you know, uh, seven seven point two stuff like that. Um, so uh, I am I am concerned that we're not seeing that kind of activity from the Aleutians all the way down to the southern tip of the United States. All of ours are little tiny ones, and we know the pressure is building up. So it might be a good time to, to be concerned.
Very interesting. Um, on to the volcanoes. Um, hey, the volcanoes. Well, normally when a volcano is uh, trying to erupt uh, with force, there will be little flurries uh, of quakes, smaller quakes, you know, two, three, fours, before the eruption occurs. And that occurred with Mount St. Helens, and they, they didn't recognize that as a signal at the time, and of course got surprised. But this is because the pressure underneath the dome starts to break the surface of the ground underneath the, the vent tube for the volcano. And so the increase we're seeing across the planet, I haven't, I haven't uh, broken it up into which ones, uh, whether they're clusters of them on, on uh, the eastern side of the Pacific yet or not. I do know that... That New Zealand, it, it, they're a little bit concerned down there. I did a show down there with a group. Um, the, the the North Island has seen uh, some 4.8s to you know 5.0s, but they and that's just in the last week. In the last 30 days, uh, they've had a chunk more. Um, but that area there it borders on to Lake Taupo, which is a caldera volcano. And that that you don't want to see uh, earthquakes uh, around the the Ruapehu, Lake Taupo, uh, Nurahoe type uh, volcanoes, but we're seeing them. And north of there, an indicator is White Island, which is just off the shore of North Island, New Zealand, and that that volcano has gone up to a level two, uh, you know, yellow warning to aircraft and stuff flying over the area for possible eruption. If we get a good eruption out of that, it's called the Zipper. Uh, volcano there, and it'll zipper right on down through North Island. And if it lets Lake Taupo go, the the caldera there, that is as big as Yellowstone. And Yellowstone is not exempt from all this activity. Yellowstone is uh, we're seeing quakes that are that we can get reports on. By the way, uh, we're seeing quakes that are running uh, west of um, the uh, Yellowstone. And they are they are running. Um, let's see here. Let me just see if I can click and see how many we've got there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Well, we've got about fifteen smaller quakes that are in the northwest corner of the caldera of Yellowstone. But we're also seeing uh, some quakes in the, in the range of three and above over into Idaho, and that uh, to me indicates the, the the magma pool underneath Yellowstone. That second one they found. It stretches out that way, and I'm wondering if it's going to break through in in place of where it broke through originally, you know, further inland toward uh, you know Wyoming, Montana, or are we going to see more, you know, pressure building uh, over into Idaho? Uh, it's we're just seeing little signs everywhere, and it doesn't mean tomorrow this kind of stuff's going to happen, but I I've not seen these clusters or signals uh, all over these places at the same time before. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. All right. Is uh, go ahead. No. Is there any Stan? Is we've got about nine minutes left of the program. Again, that's just blazing through here. Of all the things you've seen since we last spoke, um, is there anything that we've missed that we haven't covered that you want to kind of discuss or? Anything that we um, that we should be paying attention to in the in the days ahead? Oh, a little bit of you know more toward U.S. policies and things. 
you know, they're going to release a new type of helicopter. I think it's $100 million worth of helicopters they're going to supply to our, our military here. Uh, Boeing and somebody else are doing it. And these helicopters, uh, do you remember the Osprey, that the big tilt rotor thing with the two big giant propellers that can rotate? Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. These are like mini Ospreys. And, okay, so they're throwing $100 million at, the, at that as part of the budget. And reports, you know, they've already killed 30 to 35 people in the testing of it because this new smaller tilt rotor helicopter supposed to be be all end all in tactical situations does not work in the field reliably and here we are throwing another chunk of change at it and again our military is wondering do we really have to get into that thing and fly we know you know how bad it's been and uh, the navy is now going to spend uh, not 100 million but 4.4 billion for a new gigantic destroyer battleship that's supposed to be a stealth battleship. And we won't see that until probably uh, 2017 or whatever. But uh, I just, I marvel at how we can throw the money away uh, and not give more thought to safety in the field and whatever with our troops. It's no wonder our guys don't want to stay in and and are leaving the service. Anyway, I just just saw that in passing today on uh, Google Earth or Google or Google News. And uh, thought that I would uh, share that with folks because it's it's depressing to see that we can't even make good equipment for our soldiers now to hope to win a war. Um, My goodness! And the other thing I've been working on here too is gathering uh, papers from scientists and uh, either professional or amateur about reasons that we have a young universe and a young Earth. Uh, I think this is going to become a hot topic here fairly shortly because of pressure from people like myself and uh, um, Barry Satterfield and, and others who are saying that there is a lot of weight saying that the not only the Earth, but the entire universe is not as old as we thought. It's much more like in you know, millennia and thousands of years rather than millions and billions and stuff like that. It's just going to do so much more to underwrite the Bible and say it is right, it is proof, you know. Um, so people out there, if you're wanting to get into this kind of uh, part of the witness to, to folks, look for young universe papers or young uh, Earth, uh, you know, supports for that and try to find some of the more mm, reliable uh, scientists involved in it. And uh, if you find some, well, give me a link to it. I'll have a look then, put it into my, my bag of uh, young Earth, young universe uh, research, because this is, this is going to be a... a a game changer, I think, as far as understanding what's going to be happening here when the, the wars start and when we have the the uh, world leader backed by a, a quote-unquote alien god, as Daniel calls him. That's, that's kind of the extent of that this week. Okay, all right. That's interesting. The young Earth uh, topic is interesting to me. In a, um, um, in a trivia game... There was a question, how old is the Earth? And, of course, the correct answer is 4.5 billion years, give or take. Uh, so so uh, your position, how old is the Earth or the universe, but the Earth specifically? How would you answer that question? I haven't really um, uh, made a plot with that exponential curve that Barry Satterfield has, but I'd say... 
that at the outside is 50,000 years, but more like uh, 15 to 12,000 years, I think. Uh, okay. The, yeah. the, the equation for that uh, is uh, a little bit uh, iffy because it's based on data and uh, plotting between points, but that's kind of the range, I think. It's a very, very subtle bend in that curve at that point to try to determine how old it is. Uh, there may be people who have actually got into a, a, a better equation, and, uh, you know, I think it'll depend on taking Einstein's uh, equations and adjusting the age of the universe by that exponential curve, which, as I say before, is like, you know, 30 zeros after the 10 type thing. It's It has to be done with his equations to be that accurate. Uh, otherwise, it's an approximation, which is what I, I just gave you. Okay, and I get that, and I think that 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 whole topic is fascinating for a lot of reasons. But, but really, the biggest reason, of course, is the um, biblical implications for the biblical creation story document. I shouldn't say story; that has negative connotations. But just what what we learn from the Bible, and I think it's just fascinating to see science validating or. I want to say the Bible validating science because that's probably more like it, but science validating you know the Bible and um, I just I, I just I like this. I mean it's it's uh, something near and dear to me when I'm I'm reading about these scientific discoveries and yeah hey you know it's uh, these scientists <laughs> these scientists need to learn a thing or two you know. Well, what does that make? Are we are we apologists? the Bible? Is that what we're doing? Oh. Well, well, I forget what they call a class of it, where you're trying to defend it. Uh, yeah, I, I think by definition that would be, but I, I think uh, in the spirit and in actuality it would be uh, proponents and, and uh, adherence to the inerrant word of God, but I don't know. That's yeah, just me. Yeah. I always thought it was a bad term they use when they say the, the biblical apologist uh, school of thought, but um, I'm not even sure that's the, the, the right uh, right uh, term for what we're doing, but we are certainly trying to support it. Like, you know, uh, Sir Isaac Newton, he, mathematically, he dug into the Bible. He was more of a biblical scholar than he was a physicist, even though, you know, our our view of gravity and the equations came from him. But he was really into trying to prove the Bible by scientific methods. Yeah, and and I, I get. I just want to say this: I've been called a Christian apologist myself and uh, a, an apologist for Christianity in the Bible and of course uh, that is the, the definition of, of an apologist is a person who argues in defense or justification of something such as doctrines, policy or institution or a person who offers a defense by argument uh, as an alternative definition which I, I, I find it uh, rather pejorative to be called an apologist but then again that's just me yeah it's always bothered me too but uh I think uh, that's what we do, and we need to do more of it, and uh, our listeners out there need to uh, to get into it as well, because it makes a great witness tool if you can get facts, to, you know, scientific facts to lay before people rather than say, well, you just got to believe because. Nowadays, mm-hmm. with the increased knowledge, we have the method and the opportunity and the data to be able to defend our position. That's right. Stan, thanks so much for being part of our program tonight. Folks, please pray for Stan, pray for Holly, uh, support their work. They work hard. Visit standale.com. Certainly grab a hold of the books and lectures. 
but really be supportive of them prayerfully and financially and whatever you can do. And so I say thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you, Stan. And you and Holly have a great week. You too, guys. God bless you. All right. Take care. God bless you too. Tomorrow, news first hour, followed by open lines in hours two and three. We want to hear from you. Have a good night, everyone. This is the Global Star Radio Network.